Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. we are the three amigos welcome in everybody sports take jacob media youtube network i'm rob ellis along with my compadres barrett brooks Derek gunn what's happening fellas how we doing what's going on guys i cannot believe we are on the show this is the fourth day hey let us do I mean, this four days in a row it's unbelievable <laughs> we haven't I mean, been censored or, or or told what to talk about and everything else just keep I, fooling them, Derek. That's my motto. I still haven't decided if I'm coming back next week or not. I don't know yet. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not decided if I'll be you around know for the 1 o'clock hour. Who knows? Right, right. You know who I'm calling if you don't come back. You know exactly who I'm calling. Hold up, man. Why you got to call my <laughs> wife, man? Uh-oh. Why, why, why you got to bring family into this? Why does it always go there, man? Exactly. Why can't I just make my own decisions, man? Oh, no, 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 no. He can't say anything. Good morning, what? Mom. Good morning, Mom. Mama B, check good morning. Good, good morning, Mama Brooks. Yes, bro. She, I, I was in the middle of a contract negotiation, a contract negotiation, and I call Derek for a little guidance. Oh no, he yells because he knew I was on his speaker, so he yells, "Don't let him do nothing stupid, Sanji. Don't let him do nothing stupid." I'm like, "Who does that?" Yes, who no, does I, that? Boy, With hey, friends hey, like Derek. Hey, hey, Rob, this is you spitting out that you brought up contracts and your wife. <laughs> I got to tell this story. This is one of the best stories ever. So uh, the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, you know, we got we got stuck uh, driving a big SUV oh, from God. Philly to Minneapolis. Me, Barrett, and a guy named uh, Aaron Telaznik, uh, who's a great producer, right? So prior to us leaving, you know, Barrett was in, involved in some contract negotiations. So his wife pulls up to the curb one day and says, we and say, we're about to leave. And D, she said, D-Gun, can you help Barrett get more money? Because right now he's only making lunch money. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that what she said? Lunch money? Lunch no, she, money. Said, she said he barely has enough to pay his cell phone bill. <laughs> I was like, wow. 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 Okay. Like, did he help money? me? Did he help me? No. Yes, of course I helped Yes, he did. He did. <laughs> yes, I can't lie. He I talks a big game. He talks right, a big game. Lie. But in the end, Derek's always going to be there. He's a fox right, 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 So you know right, what? Right, like, right. My, my, my wife says this all the time. She goes, you know what? You're always, you know, trying like you're the big bad wolf. 
but you're the softest person you know. <laughs> These kids know how soft you are. I'll tell you, it hurt me to my heart one day. This was a few years ago. We were just having a family discussion. And my son, who's the youngest, he said, Dad, no disrespect, but, you know, when we were little, we was all, we were always more afraid of mom than you. I'm like, no, what? Of course. <laughs> I thought I was the ogre of the family. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, my wife would take off her flip flop like a boomerang. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Foo, 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 foo. Like a ninja. <sighs> yes. Yeah. yes That's what, when I was a kid, if I wanted to stay home from school, I would go to my dad in two seconds ahead of my mom. My mom would be like, all right, what's wrong? Yeah. Uh, what what specifically is wrong with you? What do you mean you have a stomach ache? What what do you mean? Like what? And my dad be like, oh, you don't feel good. All right, I'll call you. I'll go go back to bed. Like it was not even close who you went to in that situation. Exactly. Moms are always tougher than dads. Bro, I, I told you my mom had a ninja sword looking for me in a bathroom. So I, you know, they didn't play, bro. My moms did not play. My pops, it take too much. It be it be too much for him to get up and stop doing what he's doing to come yeah. over and talk talk to me or or, 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 you know, saying do something to me. So I, I wouldn't worry about it. Well, I'm like, but, Derek, I'm like you, man. Yeah. When it comes to my daughter and my dog, I'm right. a total sucker. Like right. I am a total sucker. Right, like right. they just got me wrapped around their finger and paw, if you will. But but look at this though. I didn't play around with my parents, especially my pops. Cause my pops, you know, he's like six foot three, six foot four. And he, you know, he, his, his back was bigger than my back. Really? Like, like I see people talking back to their pops when they're grown. No, yeah. My pops, when he passed away, I was still, still very respectful of him because yeah. he yeah. still looked like he can come and 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 rip the mm-hmm. rip the arms off of somebody, bro. You know, what see, I'm saying? My, my dad was only five ten, five eleven, but he had arms like this, man. My dad right. was, was built right, <laughs> and when he when he hit you, he always wore these thick leather belts. Ooh. And when he hit you, it felt like thunder was coming down from <laughs> Olympus. Uh-huh. Now, I didn't I didn't get many spankings in my life. My brother and I, we didn't get many spankings in our life. But you remember the ones you got. The one the worst one I ever got was because I was a class clown. I admit mm-hmm. it. I was a class clown. And my mom, you know, who was a teacher in the public school system in Milwaukee, decided when I was entering the third grade, she didn't like the public school system. So she decided to put me in a Catholic school. Okay. <laughs> and you know, I didn't know much about nuns and all this stuff. Let me tell you, today, I sit here today, and I will tell you honestly, when I see nuns, the hair on the back of my neck stands up because this is the meanest little ladies I ever met in my life. 12 years, Gunner, 12 years of Catholic school right here, man. 12 years? See, the thing was, too, every time we'd have a parent-teacher conference where the nuns would tell on me, it was like they were embellishing the story. And by the time my mother got home and told my dad, Uh the story was embellished twofold. Uh-huh. So I knew I was getting it worse. Well, and here's yeah. the difference. When you and I were kids, they blamed us. They weren't yes. blaming the teacher yes. or anybody yes. else. Right. It yes. was us, man. Yeah. It's Bro. different yeah. now. Bro. Oh, my, my parents would tell you, I better not ever get a bad report that you're disrespectful to teacher. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Yep. right. Because that now, reflects on them. Yes. That reflects yes. on them how you behave outside of the house. Yes. Well, wait, but nowadays, these kids, bro. Oh. I mean, you see, you see videos all the time. Kids cursing out teachers, swinging yeah. at teachers. If I did that, I promise you, my generation, we would not be sitting here today no. talking. No. We would be nothing more than a myth. I promise you, <laughs> bro. These kids bro. nowadays, teacher tell the kids tell the teacher, if you hit me, I'll sue you. What? Mm-hmm. No, no discipline. Yep. Oh my goodness, no, bro. One time, I, I, I actually, I, I overheard my mom and pop saying, "Well, hey, that teacher, she better not." Because back then you could you, uh, teachers could spank kids. They yeah. used to have this this wooden paddle. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. And they had a wooden paddle. And if you messed up, you know you got the wooden paddle. Well, one yes. time I heard 
He better not touch my son. I told him, I heard him talking. I went to school that next day. I was short out. Told the teacher, oh, you ready? I'm gonna call man. You ain't do I ain't doing nothing. Bruh, there was a phone in the office. She called my dad from a oh. phone in the office. Hmm. So my school was in between, there was a leather shop like a mile up the road oh, that no. way. And my school was was a mile down the way the other way. I cut up around about 12 31 o'clock. I was out of school at 3 30. All of a sudden, I see around 2 30. I look outside and he's walking by the door. I think he's going to the school, but he's not going to the school. He kept going by. I'm like, why didn't he come to the school? I just got to cutting up. I know I'm in trouble. Yeah. He didn't even come in. I see him walking by 30 minutes later, walking by with a belt that he got from <laughs> crap. He got it from the leather store. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the raw, rawhide belt. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, yeah. Ask my mom, a raw. It didn't even have this, you know, stain or nothing. I remember it plain as day, bro. Plain as day. And he walked right on by. And I just knew what it was because he walked by like this. Oh, you knew it was coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, you know, the, the thing is, too, nowadays, man, um, parents let technology babysit their kids. Right and, right. and I understand, you know, more so than ever, you know, parents, you know, you have a, you know, two parent working home out of necessity because, inflation and the way stuff costs nowadays, I get it. But you know what? At some point, you have to take responsibility. You know, interact with the kids when you come home. Don't just let them play video games and, and sit in front of a TV all day, man. Interact with the kids. Bro, you teach know. your kids how to cook. These kids don't even know how to cook, don't know how to clean. My mom always no, told me no. I could cook, clean, and sew better than any woman. I'll take care yeah. of it. And then the, what her, her motto was, my pop's motto was? Yeah. I'm going to raise you. I'm not going to let the police raise you. Yes. I'm going to raise you. Yeah. Amen. And that's exactly what they meant, too. My, my kids are all in their 30s. And even today, when we go out to eat in a restaurant, you know, they, you know, when a waiter or waitress will ask them, you know, would you like this? And my kids will always respond, yes, please. No, no, thank you, please. Yes. And a lot of times, a lot of times, waiters and waitresses are like, and it's funny to me because it's natural in my house. But they're yep. like, wow, I'm not used to people saying mm -hmm. please and thank you. Yes, and, but sir. You no, know what? sir. You're trained that way from a child. And I'm looking at my kids training their kids now. It's the same thing. Nice. You know, hey, so-and-so's talking to you. Look at them. Hey, yep. say thank you. You know what? <laughs> if you don't say thank you, I'm taking it from you. Yep. So I've got grandkids, seven, three. You know, they say, yes, please. Thank you, please. That's condition. These, a lot of these kids are, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. And they're, Wait, not, and they're like this. They're like yeah. this, right, with the, with right. the phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a hamburger. Huh? Yeah. I, mean, so I, kids say, I said, tell the kids something, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, huh? Hey, my, my mom taught sixth grade, you know, and she had this long He's for flat, horses. Yeah, right. my, my, my mom had this long flat wooden uh, uh, stick in her her classroom. Mm -hmm. And when a kid stepped out of line, she would call him to the front of the class. She would bend her hand backward like this and smack him in the hand two times. When yeah. I was in Catholic school, if you stepped out of line, the nuns would call you up to the front of the room, like one of those paddles you were talking about, yep. and crank up like they Babe Ruth and swat you in front of them. You think uh -huh. I'm kidding? They would uh -huh. swat you in front of the class. Yes, yep. yes. You didn't want to get embarrassed in front of your classmates because oh, you got no. you got joked on when it came to recess and lunch. Oh, you were gonna get it. You were gonna oh, hear it from, your, from your buddies. And, yeah, and no and doubt. Don't let your parents find out you got swatted by a teacher because oh. whether you were right or wrong. You're getting it again when you get home. Amen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. the double dip. The double yeah. dip as if it wasn't <laughs> enough in school. The biggest yeah. mistake I ever made in my life was one day, I was you know, 11, 12, right now, about eight, eight or nine years old, and my mom said, you know, go outside and get a switch. You know, for people who don't know what a, that switch is, is when you go out to a tree and you got to pull a little skinny limb off the tree and you got to strip it yourself of the leaves and stuff, 
So I got smart one day. I said, yo, I thought it was being funny, you know, because normally my mom gets one about at least a foot long, foot and a half long. I went out and got one about this big. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what did I want to do that for? You're making then, it worse on yourself. Yeah. Hey, Rob, here's the worst part. I don't know how, but we always knew when somebody in my neighborhood was getting a spanking, all the other guys would be standing outside the window <laughs> under the window listening to him. And when you come outside, they would imitate what you do. Oh, mama, please don't hit me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you'll be the joke. You'll be the you'll be the joke of the day oh, man. in Absolutely. your neighborhood, man. Yeah, but man. Now, that's what that was life, man. That was life, man. Like different I said, I didn't world. Do, I'm not I wasn't I didn't get much well put like this. I wasn't I wasn't one of those guys that, you know, that was disobedient. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because my mom always told me a disobedient child's days would be numbered. Right. So I, I was never, but I would find new stuff to do. Yeah. I'm going to find something else to do mm-hmm. to get in right. trouble for. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely. These kids these days, they just yeah. don't do anything. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't Different play, man. World. Different world, play, that's man. for sure. All right, well, listen, we we do we had a lot of ground to cover uh, today, man. We have, we're coming off a of Sixers unbelievable win, which we're going to get to in a, in a second. I'm, I'm surprised you guys didn't text me like the Ooh. second half or maybe the, maybe the third quarter, you know, saying, oh, B, we told you so. I'm surprised you guys didn't no. tell me because you guys no. were – yeah, it felt, it felt like a tight one to me I, going in. I, I'm not surprised. I, I'm for sure. I, I I thought this was going to be one of those games that came down to the wire. I, I didn't yeah. expect Embiid to hit a you know ridiculous three in overtime. No, but no, we got we had that, and and before the game, the news comes down that Jay Wright's retiring. Like whoa, I mean that one, that came out of nowhere. So I'm you got shocked. those two things going. We got the NFL draft. We got the Phillies finally winning a, a freaking game. It's it's a miracle. So I don't know what Barrett's up to over there. What, what are we doing, bro? I this what, is what I'm up. What to. is going on here? What are you doing over there, man? Oh, Her mom's about to leave. Her mom's about to leave, so she brings it to me. Okay. Now I got to watch it. She don't play that, man. She 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 Let her goes her everywhere thing. with her. Yeah, Let her is, that, her. is that killer? Yes, this is Yoki. That's your, your guard dog. All right, yeah. good. Good. In case anybody's <laughs> trying to get it, Barrett, he's got protection. So, not right. only that, man, we're now a week away from the draft, and and we'll all, three of us will be doing a, a show down there from Ocean Resort, uh, and Gunner and I will be doing a full blown draft show throughout the first round, which Barrett will be checking in on. Uh, Seth Joyner, Mike Quick's going to be joining us as well today, twelve thirty. Mike Sealski, two o'clock. Keith Pompey will be joining us from Toronto. The scene of last night. So let, let's get into it, guys, because the first half was hideous. It, it looked like this was going to be the game that Toronto gets. The Sixers were out of sorts, turning the ball right. over left and right, 14 turnovers in the first half, and B doing nothing. He had five points in the first yeah. half. To their credit, you, you noticed in the second quarter, they kind of got their bearings a little bit, hung in there. Unfortunately, late, Toronto ripped off six in a row. Danny Green lost his mind, and, and it's a 10-point game at the half. But you still felt... All right, considering how bad things were, they're going to be okay here. But what a wild finish to this thing. A wild finish. You know, they they just couldn't get right the first, you know, the in fact, the entire game. They didn't lead the entire game until the last shot of the game. That just goes to show, man, this team, the mere fact they came back like that, they're learning how to win, man. And yep. that's that's what pe- some people don't understand. That's a that's an art that, you know, that you you learn, you you mold yourself to think like it because a lot of times when you when you enter a situation like that, you have you don't know how to finish the deal. And a lot of teams have to learn how to finish the deal. Well, this is the first time the Sixers really finished the deal. You know what I'm saying? They've been up and, and, and lost games. Um, but this is a close game. They took everything that the Raptors had, took everything they had, and they still lost the game. So I mean, I, I love it, man. 
I love well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, what, what blows me away, Gunner. This is the yeah. kind of game where in years past, if Embiid starts off that way, he probably kind of checks out. And, and, and you don't see him just sort of gut it out and do what he ends up doing. But this is a different Joel Embiid, a much different Joel Embiid. You, this, this man is unstoppable, you know, and that's today's NBA. You I mean, you got seven footers shooting threes. He can bring it up the court. He can post you low. He can drain it from the top of the key. And you know what? I don't want to hear any Doc River bashing, at least for today, at least for today. <laughs> because when you think about the play that preceded the game winning shot, right? You know, people are going, what the heck play did Doc Rivers call? Because Embiid had the ball almost in uh, almost near the top of the court, and just heaved it up before the mm-hmm. shot clock expired. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, uh oh, Toronto's got this chance now to put the game away. Lo and behold, Doc had called a timeout. With what, 0.9 seconds left? 0.9 on, on the, the shot, shot clock. Second? Yeah. On the shot clock? Yeah. And so you're thinking, okay, I can't wait to see what he sets up. Who would have thought he would have called a play for a seven-footer to take the shot from the wing to win the game? But that's that's Joel Embiid. You yeah. know what? He can do it all. You double, you double on him, he's going to turn around and put it up in your face, or he's going to find the open man. Mm-hmm. You triple him, somebody else is open. And the Sixers keep knocking down the threes. Now, um, I, I thought – they would have might have pulled away a little bit more had Harden not fouled out of the game. I thought when Harden fouled out, I'm like, okay, this is Toronto's prime opportunity to seal the deal. And Toronto couldn't put him away. But that's perseverance at its finest. And like Barrett said, you know, before you before you win, you got to learn how to win. You know, right. this is the perfect scenario. This is going to be so beneficial to this team going to that next series because now to me the series is over. Even if even if Toronto wins one game, you know, Sixers can come home and smoke them. And, and end this thing, you know, put put them in their coffin to end their season. What what an incredible flow of emotion and energy and perseverance from the 76ers team last night. It was. It really was. I mean, you think about the, the way that the game started for MB, right? So I mentioned five points, two of five in the first half. He goes for 18 in the third, you know, yes. and yeah. – He's doing it with I don't know what's going on with the wrist, but he's it clearly something's happening there. There's, there seems to be always something, but whatever. He's fighting through this stuff that he didn't before. Yeah. They turned it over 24 times, Derek, which yeah. led to 27 points, and they're down 17 in the first, and they still win on Toronto's floor. I mean, yeah. how demoralizing is that for the Raptors? That's the and they shortened right the bench. Yeah. They yep. shortened mm-hmm. the bench. Four of the five starters played 44 minutes or more, and I talked about that yesterday. You know, if, if they're going to play their starters the bulk of the game, eventually fatigue is going to catch up to them somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, they closed the gap. They kept closing the gap. But at some point, you know, when you start seeing guys with their hands on their knees and stuff, you see it in football a lot, you know you're starting to wear them down. And I'm thinking, do the 76ers have enough stamina to pull this thing off? We, we got to call know? out Terry Foy, who fell asleep in the third quarter. That's a total violation. What? <laughs> what? How do you fall asleep in the third quarter of that? I'm game? telling you. I'm telling well, you. Well, you know why you fell asleep? Because you look at I mean the, the Sixers were getting beat. I mean, they were you talked about it. You, you both of you guys talked about it yesterday and and the previous deal, probably on Monday too, when you said at this point, Toronto was not hitting the threes. That's a good right. three-point. Right. They weren't yep. hitting it. Well, uh, again last night. They were hitting their threes. Yeah, Van Vliet yeah. was hit was yeah. hot. I mean, they, they were there were a couple guys that were really hot last night. And I, I like I said, like I thought last night was gonna be really tight, but you know what next, else is a violation though? Yeah. Read that last comment right there. Is that a violation of what, bro? What? Oh, your brother's checking in. Come on, oh. man. That, that, that's a serious violation. He hates oh. the Steelers. Oh I, I, that's a violation, oh. man. Come on, man. Come on, Philip. Wow. 
You're better hey, than that. Hey, look look at the comment though Browns above fan. Phillips. Look at the look at the comment above Phillips. Uh name brand says Embiid is a shooting shack. I like that. Yeah. Embiid no, look, is a shooting shack. You you touched on it though. Let's give some props here. I I've been as critical as anybody about Doc, okay, and, and the job that he's done. I'm and, still critical of him. Yeah, look, I, yeah, and and I, I, I'm not telling you that he races everything, but he's had a really good series. The timeout last night, switching it up to a zone last night, to, just to try that to was huge. Life, was yep. huge, right? And that he's huge. he's pushing buttons in games where I haven't seen that with him as a Sixers coach, where he's made adjustments, made to it. Look, the timeout was just a really heads up thing that a coach does because that. That set was going nowhere, just like the one at the end of regulation was going nowhere. That was brutal. I don't know what was going on there. But to their credit, you know, and, he, and the play that he draws up out of the timeout to get a clean look, I mean, an awful job by Nick Nurse not having somebody on the ball yeah. guarding. I mean, Rick Pitino made that mistake in 1992 for Christian Leitner when he hit the shot. So, right. you know, but for Embiid to hit that shot and shut up that that crowd, I mean, that crowd – Saying bleep and bead the whole game. I know. And he just stuck it right to them. It was beautiful, man. And, and here's the thing. Did you see any national news uh about uh the Toronto fan base yelling yelling the F bomb during a national telecast? And that'd been Philadelphia. Oh. That would have been national headlines. Ah, nah, nah. Philadelphia yeah, nah, nah, nah. fans once again show their true colors and all this stuff. You you know you not you, I was I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen it anywhere. On Twitter or anywhere else about no. you know about Toronto fans. Oh, but you hear Kyrie you talking about Kyrie. You hear me? Come on, man. You know, and just to, just you know the mere fact that we're saying that this still a race for the MVP that shouldn't have been a race. No. What he's done this entire season right, right. have garnered him to be an MVP. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Talking right. about a guy that took this team on his back. The entire season, you know, what and they, hasn't what, stopped. Barry, here, here's what happens, and, and this is part of the issue with we've taken analytics to a level now where it's just completely out of control. Like it's a useful tool when you're putting everything together, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes, the people who back Jokic over Embiid are, are throwing stuff at you like Vorp and Warp. I'm like, what? What? What, what does that even mean? <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? Just sit down with your eyeballs and watch these two guys play. And right. you're telling me that guy's better than this guy? First of all, you're not watching the defensive end where Embiid is superior. Huge. To, to Jokic, okay? yep. That's what drives me nuts about this whole discussion. And you're see- I'm, I'm just glad you're seeing him put it on full display here, everything he brings to the table now. Well, although they said that the MVP voting is, is, has already been done, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, No, I know. I'm just saying this – anybody who, who, who had any doubt, which they shouldn't have to begin with, is just seeing who the most, more superior player is. And it's Embiid, and it's not even close. It's not even close, man. I mean, all right, he – I mean, he's the scoring champion. Jokic he's, is talented, but come on, man. But he's top five. He's top five as far as defensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. He's unstoppable. When he doesn't right. want to be stopped, you can't right. stop him. Right. He, he 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 handles the ball, brings it up the court. I mean, he does everything. He put the entire team on his back. I think that towards the end, Harden kind of hurt him more than anything. Mm. Harden hurt him in the aspect that the expectation went up when Harden got on the team. They expected more winning, but they lost more when Harden got there as opposed to them turning up another level. Yeah. That'll be the only way that even it's even close with Jokic because they kind of judged him because of Harden's presence being on the team. Because then that way they could say, all right, see how many players that they don't have on their team and, and Jokic is still taking yeah, – Murray's true. not there, all that. But he played three quarters of the year without Simmons. 
that's what I'm saying. Right. Is that taken into account? I mean, if it isn't, it should be. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It it should be his year. Who knows how this stuff, you know, comes down. Who who knows who's got an agenda against certain guys? Who? who, I I just think think decision makers have a vendetta against Philadelphia for whatever reason. I don't know why. Process thing. Is is it date back to that, maybe? You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe. if, if if Embiid does not win MVP this year, there should never be MVP voting again. Yeah, you know, plain yeah, and no. simple. It is, it, and we're going to talk to Keith Pape at two o'clock as we talked about. In, in in either one of your estimation, does Toronto get one here, or is this thing over on Saturday afternoon? I think that they gave the past two games. Toronto has given them all they have. closer they, and closer. Yeah, they 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 no, they've spent. They're spent now. They mm-hmm. don't have anything left. They're I mean, they can't go into their bag of tricks and get anything else. The only bag of tricks they had was they were going home to play. You know what I'm saying? They were yeah. going home to play. Yep. They have nothing else to give. Yeah. Now it's just this is this is going to be a learning curve for the for the Sixers in, in, in the aspect that all right, they've got to learn to finish now a team. You know, put their head, put their foot on their head, and and, and let's go rest our guys for the next opponent that's coming up. And, and that's yeah. huge. If you can get by Embiid and Harden a, a couple extra days here uh, would, would be monstrous for sure. Yeah. Look, I, I think Toronto, it's going to be a pride thing for them on Saturday, which means yeah. I don't think they're going to lay down. But in the end, and I've been saying this the whole series, the reason why Nick Nurse has gone this route is because he's desperate. And he yeah. knows mm-hmm. he's, he's outmanned. Mm-hmm. And he still knows it. I mean, think about it. You had everything in your favor. The Sixers were giving them the ball in the yes. first half. Yep. And they Harden still, was horrible. And they all were. And B, you know, what do you have, five turn or whatever. I yeah. mean, they were all terrible in that, in that really in the first quarter, in the, but in the first half in general. And you still can't beat the Sixers on your floor with your right. with Drake and all the rest of those right. Toronto lunatics. <laughs> right, you right, still right. I love that Embiid gave him a little bit too at the end. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. walking off. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he can't. And B can't help himself, man. He's, either, you know, he's getting into a nurse, or he's getting what, into what, a Drake. What did he say? I'm going for the sweep. Is that yeah, what yeah, said? yeah, yeah. I'm and, going and for Drake, the sweep. Well, Drake says, "I'll be here." Okay. I'll be here. <laughs> but that's your comeback. Okay, you'll be bro, here. bro, bro. But say, all right, you got Drake, but we got you know we could, we we got more of a following in Philly than anybody else. You know, said everybody wants to come here. I mean, everybody came in, in last year's series with the with the, with the Hawks. All the you know Atlanta people came up now. Philly has the best. Me, nobody's gonna beat Meek in his in in, in his. Hey, Floyd his Mayweather was at courtside. I didn't even know that. Right. Floyd Mayweather oh, was in town. See, that's what I'm saying, man. So we we, we gonna be all right. But one thing that I, I I I can't stop, I can't stop thinking this is something that you know that it's a culmination of us getting on him and him not responding until the till the uh, playoffs and not the regular season. It's Harris. Yeah, he's been really good. Harris, these this playoffs, Harris has been mas- not good, but masterful. Mm-hmm. He no, has look, stepped up supremely. He's been that. Uh, if you want to say, uh, I'm going to say, if you want to go and beat Harden, Maxi, he's been that fourth banana that you need. Yes. Right? He's been that guy. And he, even though last night he didn't have monster numbers, he played a really good game. And yes, I know people did. are going to get on him because yeah. he didn't hit that that put that back. Baseline he, shot. He yeah. got fouled, by the way, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he's been really good for them. Clutch. Uh, big tough rebounds too. Like he he's done a lot of things very well in this series. It doesn't that. always have it. to be scoring production. Yeah, but his defensive pressure, man. It, he's it, played real good defense. You're right. I about mean, that's that. that's that's the big thing right there. You know, nope. I mean, Pascal Siakam, he's gonna get his. Mm-hmm. But they held him to 12 points this last game. Yeah, and making it work too. I mean, he right. he's, he is working hard on that end. So yeah, I I agree, man. He's been good. 
Um, you've gotten just enough. Like the bench is thin. I mean, it's especially thin without Diable, but you gotten just enough. The angle hit a couple threes for you. It, it, look, it was ugly basketball for them. Let, let's be real. But you got to yep. win ugly sometimes. And yep. that's why you need the elite elite. And that's what Embiid is. He can carry you in moments. You, you didn't see it last night. I'm sure people were locked in on the Sixers. But Durant and Kyrie were terrible in that yep. Celtics game. And we'll talk yeah, about that were. a little bit later. But Embiid fought through what was an ugly first half to, to deliver, man, on the biggest stage for sure. All right. So while that's happening, so we get the Sixers game. And a little bit before the Sixers game, Word comes down, Sham Sharadia from the athletic breaks that Jay Wright heavily considering retiring by the, you know, she's within an hour or hour, two, maybe. It became official. And not only did Jay retire, they hired a new coach. I mean, that thing moved really, really fast last night. So we come back, we're going to talk to Mike Sealski from the Inquirer about Jay Wright, his legacy. Is the he Bye bye, great... Doc. Yeah, well, <laughs> bye uh, bye, Doc. it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be <laughs> hey. interesting. Yeah. Hey, Barrett. Barrett, yes, did you see uh, the text we all got from Xander? A gift for Barrett has arrived. Oh, no. Did you no. see this text? No, I didn't. Let me see this. It just goes to show you if you whine long wow. enough, you get what you want. Oh, we, Xander, we need a picture of that, man. We got to put that up. Ah, da, da. Ah, da, da. I the know all of wheel, this is not for Barrett. I the know squeaky wheel gets the most oil, bro. Are you serious? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Are you there's See what no I got way all with? of this is for Barrett. No way. Hold on, hold on. See, this this is what I'm talking about right now. I got I got to take it from you. Then I got my brother trying to give it to me on the stream. All right, and, Xander. You know, let, let, w- there it is. So this is what Barrett's going to be getting. How many cases? Is that? No way. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight cases? Seven, eight cases? Man. Hey, man, you better go to rehab, bro. You better Jeez. Be, you better bro, go. all I'm going to say is I love the commercial because right at the end. But you, you guys cut it too short. That commercial is too short well we're about to see it because i like he said holy yes all right so let's do this <laughs> let's let barrett bask in what uh krause just bought him all right and we come back we're going to talk to mike sealski from the philadelphia Inquirer. mike does an unbelievable job i mean you name it okay and, and he wrote very uh poetically about jay we'll talk about that among others we'll get into the sixers with mike as well he's Derek gunn he's barrett brooks he, i think he's throwing down right now as a matter of fact some stateside as we speak, we are Sports Take Jacob Media YouTube Network. I want to tell everybody about my friends of Pro Action Restoration. If your home or your business or any kind of property that you own experiences the pain and inconvenience of water, fire, or smoke, or even mold damage to your property, you know how trying that can be. Pro Action's got you covered. They're on call 24 7. You have an issue in the middle of the night, they'll be there, okay? Seven days a week. Doesn't matter what the situation is, holidays, et cetera. They are there for you. They were there for me. They were there for my parents when they had some water damage in their basement. And I got to tell you, man, it was the peace of mind that they bring to you is bigger than anything else. I got to tell you. They're experiencing water damage. You name it. They're licensed, bonded, fully insured. They serve the tri-state area. And they've been doing it for more than two decades. ProAction will work, by the way. And this is huge. In conjunction with your insurance company, whether it's water, fire, smoke, mold remediation, you name it. They can handle it. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. That's 610-623-3760. Or just email them at, and you go online. It's easy. ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. 
Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mama. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome all back. Sports Take, Jacob Media YouTube Network. Smash that like button. We appreciate everybody. All our comments. Hey, let me throw this out there, by the way, guys. We got Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, I'm Rob Ellis, Mike Sealski in one second here. So coming up a little bit later in the show, uh, we're going to be, and I'm going to utilize this every day, guys. So everybody who's watching and all the folks who are commenting, love it. Keep it rolling, man. But you fire off some good questions for us regarding the Eagles and the draft a little bit later. We will use them and we will answer your questions. So we encourage good questions. The good ones will make the cut and we will utilize them. All right. So we mentioned yesterday, guys, the big news in addition to the Sixers winning was Jay Wright retiring. And joining us now, I love talking to Mike about any number of subjects, whether it's college hoops, whether it's the NBA, NFL, his favorite sport, baseball, you name it across the board. We talk <laughs> Um, Twitter at he does an amazing job for the Philadelphia Inquirer as the columnist, the one and only. There he is. What's happening, Mike? Gentlemen, Rob, how are you? Ah, good, Mike. 
Yeah, wait, he's wait, definitely wait. not a gentleman. Uh, you know, Rob is not a gentleman. Hey, you two you know are gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, we're well, the gentleman. He's not the gentleman. That's why I said Rob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Gary. The one thing I love about Mike is, man, he slides those zingers in so smoothly. <laughs> so, you know what it is, Gunner? I, I don't want you to know that the knife has entered your belly until you look down <laughs> and see the puddle of blood at your feet. Yeah, and all your insides are hanging out. <laughs> and I'm That's done, it, man. That's it. Uh, Mike, first off, great job uh, on your on your piece on Jay. Um, Thanks. And I, I know how closely, you know, the big five, how near and dear it is to your heart, the big five. And Villanova's done laps around every other school. We know that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let me pose this one. Let me come out of the, the shoot swinging here. Greatest Philadelphia coach in history, Ooh. Jay Wright. He's close, Rob. Ooh. I actually wrote a column about this a few years ago, right after uh, Villanova had won its second national championship under him. And I had him in the top five then. And the fact that they got back to another Final Four uh, and that he's been inducted into the Hall of Fame since then, I think only raises him on those rankings. I mean, Connie Mack, if you really want to go back a long way, mm-hmm. um, because he was so integral to what the athletics did when they were a dynasty. Mm-hmm. But other than that, man, it's hard to think of anybody else who would surpass Jay. I, I, I think there's a lot to what you're saying. Yeah. And when you ask that, it sounds hot takey and blasphemous. And But if you really dig into it, I mean, the sustained success, Mike, over a, a two decade plus period, I mean, 21 years he's at Villanova, he wins it twice. He gets the four Final Fours. You know, the one, the COVID year you take out because there wasn't even a tournament. And, you know, we don't even really talk about that that much. I think he's missed one NCAA tournament going back uh, to, you know, 16 years, something like that. It's unbelievable. And, and to do it at a small school like that, not some gigantic state school. It, it is remarkable. And you think back to, uh, and I mentioned this in a story you were talking about today, like it was not, it was in the realm of possibility after his third year, um, that if, if Villanova didn't turn things around in his fourth year, that he was going to get fired. Mm -hmm. Uh, the boosters and the alumni were out for him and that was 2004, 2005. That was the year Nova really took off under Jay. They had Alan Ray and Randy Foy and they went 24 and eight made the sweet 16. Think about this too. Nova won the big East regular season championship eight times under Jay and won the conference tournament five times, including Mm -hmm. this year. I mean, Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, that's not that's not the Atlantic 10. That's not the CAA. That's the Big East. Even in its more recent iteration, it's still a great basketball conference. So to 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 do what he did, you know, sometimes I think in Philadelphia, we kind of need to take a step back and understand and appreciate where somebody like Jay like fits into the national scope of things. Like you're right. Mm -hmm. Villanova dominates the big five, but they're right there with Duke and have been for the last five to 10 years as, as good as any program in college basketball. What do we call it? Blue something? Blue, blue blood. Blue blood. Blue blood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has to be put in that type of, you know, in, in that type of realm as far as, you know, highly, you know, prized basketball schools. And the mere fact, like you said, being able to recruit athletes that not necessarily the, you know, the, the top athletes, you know, that Kentucky gets, that Duke gets, North Carolina gets, he gets guys that are, or basically Villanova type of guys, not the one and done so much, you know what I'm saying? Just a testament to how he coaches. Yeah. And Barrett, you've put your finger on what I think, and I'm actually writing a column about this right now. What I think is one of the big reasons that he did step away. You know, I, I've been spent the last 24 hours talking to people 
uh, reaching out to people close to the program and close to Jay. And they all say a couple of things. Number one, he was 60. He wanted to leave on top. He had talked for a while about wanting to get out at a relatively young age. You know, we don't think of Jay as being 60 because of his looks and his vibrancy and all those things. But he wanted to get out while he was on top. He was getting kind of tired of the gig. And part of being tired of the gig was having to deal with the new landscape of college sports, the transfer portal and the NIL changes. And one of the things he said during the NCAA tournament was that it would probably take schools about three years to really figure out how to negotiate this new landscape where players can make money or they can transfer. And, and to your point, Barrett, like Villanova players come in. Jay is really tough on them when they're young. They got to kind of survive the first year or two and then their game takes off. And then they become these guys who stay three or four years and play their way into the NBA or into a pro career. And I got to think Jay at some level was looking at this new landscape and saying, you know, it's going to be harder for me to keep these guys around because of the way I coach. You know, we see him as gregarious, lovable Jay. He is tough on his players. There's a reason his practices are closed every regular season. And so if he's not going to, if those guys can walk away and say, you know what? I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to go somewhere else and play right away. It was going to be harder for him to maintain that level of excellence. And then if it's going to take three years to figure it out, now you're looking at him being 63, 64 years old, and he's missed that window for when he wanted to get out. So, so Mike, then let me ask you this. Now that you brought up the age factor, do you think there's a slight possibility Jay could deliberately take a step back, breathe, enjoy his family, and then start looking at potential NBA offers because it, that's been swirling about Jay for a long time. Would he make the transition to the next level? He's deflected it well over the last few years, but now that he's officially stepping away from college, do you think he might entertain some of these potential offers in the future? I would be really surprised Gunnar. In fact, I'd be shocked. Um, I think Jay, one of the things that Jay always said was that he felt like he had the best job in college basketball at Villanova because it brought all the spoils of being at a big time program without the scrutiny and the pressure that Mike Krzyzewski or Roy Williams or Bill Self or John Calipari faced in their markets. The, the temptation that came up for him with the NBA, generally speaking, came from only a couple different places like the Sixers or maybe the Lakers or the Knicks. Well, guess what? Like he, he's smart enough to know he's not going to go work for James Dolan in New York. If somebody right. else owned that franchise, maybe Jay, Jay knows working for Dolan is a dead end street. Um, look at the Lakers and the disarray that they're in right now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he and his family are going to want to go to anywhere else at this stages of their lives. Are they going to go to Oklahoma City or Memphis or any of these other places where there are NBA franchises? I would be really, really surprised if that happened. In fact, I would, mm. I would say it's like next to nil that that's going to happen. Yeah, Mike, to your point, I think what really cemented that part of it is coaching Team USA being one of the assistants. As much as he enjoyed it, and, and what a God, what an honor that is to be able to do that. You also get around these guys up close and personal, and you realize I don't have the same power that I have in college, man. Like you know, you don't do it. What Huge I need you to difference. do? Yeah, you're sitting on the bench. These guys do what they want because they're making more money than you are right. because ultimately they're running the show. And I think I don't think that jives well with the way Jay does things. I still remember during Villanova's um, 2016 championship run, I asked Josh Hart 
at the, you know, who at the time was still on Villanova about this. And he said exactly what, you know, basically exactly what you said, Rob, like there's a difference between telling me Josh Hart as a junior or senior at Villanova to hit the floor after a loose ball and telling Kobe Bryant to do it. And that difference is pretty stark. And I think you're right. I think Jay got, you know, to, to similar to what, you know, Shashevsky dealt with as the head coach of the Olympic team. He got his taste of, of dealing with the best players on the planet. And that probably scratched that itch for him. And he doesn't need to, to run the show and prove himself anymore. He can walk away knowing he's a hall of famer already. Uh, and one of the greatest college coaches of all time. Mm. Well, Mike, let me ask you. So obviously you got to, the winning has to come with this part of it. You know, you can be the nicest guy in the world and it doesn't matter if you go two and, you know, 30, but be, so the, the, the preface is that you know, the, the premise is J one, but it's the way he went about things. I think that that puts him at a different level too. the way he carried himself. The, look, there was a lot that went on when Roley was here and, and, and the, you know, there was a lot of elitist kind of stuff. There was a lot of who cares about Philadelphia stuff that went on. Jay being from here was just such a natural advantage and he got Philadelphia and just the way he treated people. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Sure. I mean, look, if Jay had had any other kind of personality, it would have been, he would have been a villain in this town because let's face it, he and Villanova burned the big five to the ground. Hmm. It is, it doesn't really exist anymore because Villanova is so dominant compared to the other four schools in the city, you know, and again, Villanova is not in the city. That's Okay. You know, the university isn't a Philadelphia university, but that the basketball most program. The stupid parochial provincial yes, argument that, that there's ever been in Philadelphia basketball is that program. nonsense. Yes. Give me a freaking right. break. Anyway. And, and, and Jay appreciated that history and talked about it and really loved it and lived it so that even though he and Villanova was dominating the region, you never felt like there was resentment because of it. And then the other thing, the other component of what you're talking about, and Gunner can appreciate this as somebody who made his living asking athletes and coaches questions and trying to get insightful mm -hmm. answers from them and often getting those kinds of answers. Jay was the all-time best. My old colleague, Bob Ford, and I have talked about this. The all-time best at understanding who was asking a question of him, mm -hmm. what they were really getting at, and then giving you the answer that you wanted or needed or were looking for from him. There's nobody that's ever been better in that regard. Like genuinely, genuinely insightful mm -hmm. for the most part would not lie to you, would mm -hmm. tell you like, Hey, I can't answer that as opposed to just saying something that was false. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think for those reasons, to your point, Rob, like he's beloved here in a way that, gosh, it was a real challenge for his, some of his predecessors to be that beloved at Villanova. Mm. Let me ask you this, man, you know, in, in just, the mere fact that, you know, he's going to have that itch. He's going to be, I mean, not to say he's going to be like, you know, Brady and want to come back, but is he totally away from baseball? I mean, uh, basketball, is he totally in a position where, all right, um, I'm just going to separate myself or do you see him going and getting a front office job or, you know, maybe, a, you know, a job where he's going to be a liaison or, or you know, kind of help a team, you know, maybe an NBA team, you know, because his talent evaluation, you know, is, 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 right there you know he can get those type of athletes you know so I mean you think he's totally out of basketball where do you think he is going forward I think that's a greater possibility Barrett than him coming back and coaching again now I say this having been there in New Orleans and being with Jay in the immediate aftermath of that loss to Kansas and even though he had said he had been contemplating coming back to coaching uh, stepping away from coaching, excuse me, in the aftermath of that loss to Kansas, I thought he's going to be back. Like, of course he's going to be back. This loss crushed him. He talked about, you know, 
this will fuel the fire for next time, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, to Gunner's earlier question, I'd be stunned if he got back into coaching, but you have to leave the little sliver of possibility. Mm-hmm. I think it's much more likely that he becomes either some kind of analyst, college basketball, NBA, or otherwise, and that like a consulting job, like almost like a consigliere to an NBA team or, you know, Villanova, you know, he's going to be a special assistant to uh, Father Peter Donahue, the president of Villanova now. Um, I think that's more likely um, right. that, that he stays connected to the game and the sport in that way. You know, would it surprise me to see him on Fox, you know, analyzing games or on CBS? No, it would not surprise me. Would it surprise so- me to see him get hired by an NBA team as a front office consultant? It, it would surprise me a little bit more, but I could see that potentially happen. So, Mike, how much do you think family influenced this decision? Huge. I think I think family influenced a lot, Gunner. I think Patty, right, his wife was kind of tiring of the life too. Um, his kids are hitting that age where they're starting to move on in their lives, and you know, I mean, Jay, like I said earlier, Jay's always kind of known how good he had it, and it was always that balance of. How much is he going to test himself? Because mm-hmm. coaches at that level always want to push and see how great they really are. And how much is he really going to live what he says, which is, hey, I'm where I want to be. I love the Philadelphia area. I love Villanova. I love what I get to do. You know, I've got it great, and I'm not going to mess up a great thing. Right. Um, so, you know, gun to my head, I, I think he's going to say, you know what? I got time to spend with my family now. I've been worn down the last couple of years, and, and it's time for me to give to them. Mike, you got the direct contact with him. Tell him to come fishing with the three of us, man. We'll, I'll take him out fishing, okay? <laughs> he would de- he, I, I'll tell you this, Barrett. He'd be the best dressed fisher- fisherman in this. <laughs> no question. He'd yeah. step out on the boat in Gucci shoes, you know, Hugo Boss fishing attire. You know. yeah. The guy would wear Uggs fishing boots. It'd be That's amazing. Right. That's right. It would be unbelievable. Mike, let me, let's not lose sight, too, of what an unbelievable tactician this guy was, too. I mean – there's the culture. There's what a good guy he is. But the, the let's the run in in sixteen was straight dominance. I, I don't they didn't lose a game by less than twelve. I, I mean they took every or I'm sorry in eighteen eighteen they, t- they took everybody apart in that. I mean we all remember sixteen when Chris Jenkins hits the shot, but eighteen they just ran through everybody. That was as dominant a tournament run as there's ever been in in the NCAA tournament. And then think back even farther, Rob, to that 0405 season and the following year when you had. You know, Randy Foy, Alan Ray, Mike Nardi, and Kyle Lowry playing a four-guard lineup, you know, which was kind of revolutionary at the time. I mean, I can remember that in 2006, they beat Boston College in overtime in the Sweet 16. And Randy Foy, who was 6'4", was playing basically power forward Mm. for Villanova, you know, bodying guys, defending guys in the post. And that Boston College team they beat in the Sweet 16 was much bigger and much more of a down-low kind of oriented team. But Jay figured out, you know, this is the way I can win with these guys. And that was the starting pistol, so to speak, Mm -hmm. for the greatness that was to come, you know. And he figured out a little bit later, you know, what kind of kid do I need to look for to recruit? What kind of player am I looking for? You know, the kind of kid who combines terrific talent with a willingness to grow and improve and room to grow and improve so that take – Take 16. You've got Ryan Archie Diacono and Josh Hart and Chris Jenkins um, and, um, you know, Daniel Ochefu, guys who have been around for two, three years who are at the, their peak physically, mentally, maturity wise, and who are able to make that championship run. And then you get to 18 and 
my God, that team is the best. I think that's the best college basketball team of the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, they're loaded. A lot of guys playing in the pros, that's for sure. So, Mike, any surprise that they go Kyle Neptune? I mean, certainly a lot of guys to choose from who were a part of Jay's staff, et cetera. He let Kyle left for one year, went to Fordham, did a great job in a really tough spot with Fordham. He comes back. He had been an assistant from 08 to 10 and then 13 to 21. Any surprise that it was him? And how much influence do you think Jay had? Oh, I think Jay had a had a fair bit of influence. And if you look at Kyle Neptune's resume, no, not a surprise. First of all, anyone who goes 500 at Fordham should be NCAA Coach <laughs> of the Year, given the history of that, the recent history of that program. <laughs> Secondly, Kyle was Jay's top or one of top assistants during that that stretch where the the Big East kind of reemerged in its new iteration, right? Built around basketball, around these smaller, generally private schools until UConn came back. And that, that was the rocket ride to dominance that the program saw. So Kyle was there for it. He's 37, so he's younger. He's you know in touch with this new landscape of college sports and how all these changes we talked about are going to affect things. Um, you know, Once you get past the initial surprise, pardon me, of, oh my God, Jay Wright is retiring, you look and you see who the, re- the successor is and you say, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, speaking of that, you know, on the, if you look at the um, stream, it says uh, Frank, uh, wasn't it? Gradia? Gradia? Yeah, I was looking yeah. at that, yeah. Do you think Villanova has to worry about anybody transferring out, and do you think any recruits will be back, will back out? That's going to be something that Villanova's going to go through uh, this year, maybe next year, you know. I mean, well, you know, how do they go forward? You know, I mean, I know they're gonna it's going to step down a whole lot, but can they survive? I think they can survive for a couple of years because you've got guys there now who have been inculcated into the program, right? Um, you know, are all of these guys going to come back? I don't know. But but guys like Brandon Slater and Caleb Daniels and hopefully Justin Moore when he recovers, um, you know, from the torn Achilles and um, oh, the kid from Doylestown and I'm drawing a blank and Dixon, I shouldn't. Dixon. Eric Dixon will be back. He's from Abington. Um Jordan Bening, uh, Beningo, um, yeah. uh, you know, he, even if you lose one or two of those guys, you're still going to have a chance for a pretty strong team. And presumably there will be more guys looking to transfer in, but look, this is going to be brand new. And I, right. and again, I think Jay looked at this landscape and said, you know, I've got this formula and this new way of doing things jeopardizes that formula to the point that once I figure it out, I'm not sure I'm going to have the energy to keep coaching. Mike, let me ask you while we have you, because I'd love to jump around with you a little bit. The Sixers last night and, you know, just a mess in the first half, especially in the first quarter, turned the ball over a ton and beat five points in the first half. The game's in Toronto. They're hitting threes. If there's ever a game they're going to take, you would think it'd be that one. But somehow, some way they come away with a victory. Just give me your impressions of last night and where you think this thing stands. Is it over Saturday? A, I think it's over. B, I think uh, crowning achievements so far jo- for Joel Embiid, the way he played in that second half in overtime, and then obviously the shot he hits at the end. And the third thing I would say, Rob, and I wrote this the day before, it is if you are a Sixers fan, it is so nice to be able to watch a team that plays loosely, that plays like it's not afraid of making mistakes mm-hmm. and doesn't have to play four on five on offense because the point guard acts like the basketball is a hand grenade with the pin pulled. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, the difference between having Ben Simmons out there and having Tyrese Maxey and or James Harden is so stark and so obvious that even somebody who's never watched basketball before can see it. And I think that makes a huge difference. I think it's a reason to think that this team can make a pretty deep run and is going to be a pretty tough out. 
Hey, Mike, I want to ask you about the book, man, The Rise, because a very insightful book, you know, and obviously you put a lot of research into this thing. How's the book done? Congratulations also. Yeah, Yeah, How's the book done so far in terms of sales and responses you've gotten on it? Uh, The response has been great, Gunnar. Thanks for asking. Um, You know, everybody who has read it or more importantly, bought it uh, because I got mouse to feed. Um, has really responded very positively to it. Um, sales have been very steady. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to build a marketing campaign around the anniversary of an icon's death. Um, so you have to approach that with some trepidation. You want, of course, I want people to read the book. Uh, I'm proud of the work I put into it, but it's hard to say, Hey, it's been two years since Kobe Bryant died. You should read my book about him. You know, that makes it a little bit challenging. Um, but as I said, the response has generally been very good. I think there's some, some good news down the pike, um, for the, for the book and a, and a broader project. And I'll just kind of leave it at that for now. Um, but, uh, thanks for asking and, and everything's been really good with it. Where can folks get it, Mike? Uh, we well, can get it at Amazon local bookstores. The easiest thing to do is to go to, uh, www.theriseofkobebook.com and you can order it from anywhere. Even go to like Target or Costco. Mm. You know, Barrett Gunner, when you guys are shopping for your fishing trips, you know, there just you pick go. up a copy of the book and go. like a giant can of Beefarino and Da-da-da. just you're ready to go. Beefarino. So, 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 how many years did you put into researching the book before you put it to paper? Well, I mean, I had written about Kobe and, and covered Kobe a little bit here and there for years. Right. Um, and I, I had contacts with people who were close to him when he was at Lower Marion. Um, from the time I got the idea and got the contract until the time I finished uh, the first draft of the manuscript was about 11 months. And then you turn in the manuscript and the publisher takes it. It's got to be edited and dressed up and you got to get photos and all that kind of stuff. So it basically took like two years, the whole process, but it took me about a year, uh, a little bit less than that to write the actual book. And Mike, the crux of it is the early years of Kobe. What sort of drove him to get to superstardom? Give us maybe one anecdote or one thing that really blew you away. And, and there, there it is right there. Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality, The Rise by Mike Sealski. Great, great cover and great title, by the way. Uh, one thing that really just sort of, whoa, took even took you back, someone who had done a lot of research on him. So when Kobe was 15 or 16, he had a friend named Anthony Gilbert, who he had gotten to know. I know Anthony. Yeah. 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 Really good guy. Um, still around the NBA quite a bit. And Anthony yep. got to know Kobe through Kobe's older sister, uh, uh, Sharia. So the two of them would drive around to basketball courts and playgrounds in and around the city. And they would play. But they would play a particularly interesting kind of basketball. Anthony had two jobs. He would rebound for Kobe while Kobe was dunking and shooting threes and working on his footwork and, you know, doing all these drills that Kobe would put himself through. Mm -hmm. And he would scream at Kobe, you're soft. You go to a white school. You couldn't play in the public league, like literally screaming at him. And Kobe wanted him to do this because this was kind of like the emotional armor that Kobe was going to put on against the trash talking and the intimidation tactics that he was already experiencing in high school and that he knew he would experience in the NBA. Mm. And to have a kid who's 15 or 16 thinking that way at that age and so devoted and so blinkered and single-minded that he would prepare himself that way to be what he turned out to be, which was the greatest basketball player on the planet, that sort of thing blew me away. You can hear all you want about the Mamba mentality and, you know, being devoted to greatness, but until you hear an anecdote like that, 
I'm not sure anybody really has an appreciation for what that means. Was that That's still, incredible? Yeah. yeah. Was that from his dad, Mike, who, who obviously played at, at the highest level as well, I, or is that just Kobe innate in him? I think it's innate, partly innate in him. I think most of that comes from his mother, Pam. She was really the strong one. You know, had the strong personality right. in the family. But of course, Kobe had also seen Joe play in the NBA, have to cut his career short because it didn't quite work out the way. Joe would have wanted it to have mm. to go abroad and play in Italy. And I think that served as a motivating force for Kobe early in his life. I'm going to restore the Bryant good name in the world of basketball. And I'm going to do it by not necessarily making the same mistakes that my dad made or not allowing people to control my future in the way my dad's future was controlled by the Sixers for trading him or the Rockets for releasing him or things like that. Mm. That's Is tough, it? man, because I never, I never had that. Like, I mean, I played in the NFL 12 years, you know, um, got drafted in the second round. But there was no way that I was thinking like that um, at, at 15. I didn't think like that up until two years before I got drafted. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it, to, to me, that's like mind boggling to have that much focus and intensiveness. You know, that it, at that point in his life, at 14, 15, 16 years old. I'm thinking about girls and everything else. I'm not thinking about playing, you know, and, and having somebody yell at me. That's like mind boggling. We, we know what, what's interesting though, Barrett, is that I know for a fact that Rob Ellis, when he was like 15, used to walk around <laughs> Delaware County, like screaming sports takes at people. So, you, you may not have had that mentality, but I think Rob and Kobe did. The only difference is I got punched for doing it. So that, really, that, See, that was I'm my not, armor. I'm, I'm yeah. not surprised that Kobe had that mentality at that age because I covered his dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant, when he played briefly for the San Diego Clippers. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, his dad was never a, a great player. He was a good player, a good role player. He wasn't a great player. But one thing Joe was, he was a stickler for details. And you could tell that in his son. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that you know Joe, you know, he, he didn't like losing like nobody did. But he was a stickler for the little things, you know, and he was a workaholic. And you could see that in his son. In terms of how Kobe turned out, Kobe took it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Because when you hear Shaq talking about Kobe, while everybody's in a hotel out in the club, Kobe's in the gym shooting 100 jumpers or 100 free throws. See, that's what separated the group of good ones from the great ones. And I know Kobe got that foundation from his dad. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, Gunner. I think, you know, Kobe lived it and worked it every single day. Yep. in a way that even his dad couldn't approximate. You know, his dad, right. in fairness, his dad was also the kind of guy who would, like, miss the team bus from the hotel to practice True. True. sometimes. Um, so, hey, look, any athlete who gets to that level is going to be a stickler for details and work his tail off and all of that. So, as Barrett said, there's this, and then there's Kobe and, yeah. you know, athletes and figures like yeah. him. Mike, did they uh, – not to end this on a sad note, but did, did they ever reconcile – I, I know they that, that Kobe and his parents had a falling out – before he passed, I, I, I'm curious. Do you know about that? Not to my knowledge, they didn't, Rob. And, okay. you know, it's funny. I reached out to Joe and Pam. Um, I sent them a letter and sent them samples of my writing to try to get them to uh, agree to be interviewed for the book. I would have loved to have spoken with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't respond. I heard from intermediaries that they, was, they were aware I was doing the book. Um, but they have spoken publicly not once yeah. since his death. Right. And right. I got to think that that's a big reason why, that they always felt like there'd yeah. be time for them to reconcile because they were mm-hmm. such a close family when he was young. And yeah. uh, that's one of the things that just breaks my heart every time I think about it. That's mm. sad. It is yeah. sad. All right. Let me, let me ask you one more just to not go out on, on such a sad note. As far as the big five goes, I know there are a few folks that are doing victory laps because they feel like now Jay's gone. 
there's a shot that these that, that there can be some relevance with the other four teams. Uh, do you buy that at all? I think it's going to be a struggle for most of them. Certainly at my alma mater, LaSalle, certainly at St. Joe's, you know, you see the conditions those programs are in right now. Um, it's going to take some time for them to build themselves back up. It looks like Aaron McKee is, is laying a foundation at Temple finally, but I still don't love the conference that Temple is in. And, you know, the, the local ties there aren't quite as strong as they once were. You know, Steve Donahue is a terrific coach at Penn. Um, but in terms of the collective nature of the Big Five, the competitiveness and the relevance on the college basketball scene, you know, I think it's going to take a minute for that to come back. And, you know, the one thing about Villanova being dominant was, yeah, they would beat all those other teams by double digit points every year. But they also got to say that those teams also got to say, hey, we're in the Big Five with Villanova, the right. best team mm -hmm. in the country. Um, so how long that lasts you know, and, and whether that the fact that Villanova may not be as prestigious as it once was without Jay, you know, could could serve to hurt the big five as well. No question. Right, Mike, we appreciate it, man. Check out Mike's work. Inquire Mike. at Mike Sealski on Twitter. And of course, you got to get the book, man. The phenomenal. The rise. Kobe Bryant in pursuit of immortality. Mike, appreciate it, man. Always fun chatting with you, buddy. You yeah, guys bro. are the best. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, All right, man. That's, uh, that's Mike Sealski right there. All right, so now is the time for folks to get their good questions lined up and ready to go, okay? We're going to jump into the Eagles in the draft when we get back, guys. And we're going to we're gonna delve into the wide receiver position, the quarterback position. We'll react to what the, some of the things that Howie and, and Nick had to say yesterday as well. So we'll get all that covered. But, yeah, you want to jump in with some questions. 2 o'clock, Keith Pompey is going to join us. We'll talk some Phillies a little bit later as well. But we're going to dive into some football for sure on this Thursday. But first, but first, the luxury bus. I can hear it revving up in the background. Can you guys hear it? The luxury bus? It. Yep. I can all smell right. the diesel. Okay. All right. It's ready to go. The Jacob Media luxury tour bus to the draft extravaganza. Barrett, guess who it's brought to us by? Your good friends and ours at Stateside Vodka. Barrett's got 18 cases he's sitting on right now, as a matter of fact, from Krause. He hooked them up. But if you're in the region and you're interested in seeing the luxury tour bus, join us. Ocean Casino Resort and Jacob Media. The, the night's going to be wild. We are going to be doing our show from 12 to 3 there. But also Derek and I and a cast of thousands, including Barrett, including Mike Quick, including Seth Joyner, are going to be doing the show from Ocean Resort Casino as soon as that first round kicks off at 8 o'clock till the end of the first round. So it is going to be an all-day affair, that's for sure. Here's what you need to do in the subject line, all right? Gunner invited me. That's what you need to put in the subject line. Email Krause, K-R-A-U-S-E-Y, at Jacob, J-A-K-I-B, media.com. You do that. And by the way, there's only 36 seats on this bad boy, all right? So you want to get in on this thing. It's a luxury limo bus, 12 seats per show, refreshments, food, special prizes. Three lucky winners will sit in the VIP section for the live show. This is coming for courtesy of the king of content himself, Joe Krause, Jacob Media. will communicate with everybody this weekend and provide all the details. Are we ready? Doot, doot. Let's go. Luxury bus time. All right. Barrett, Gunner, I'm Rob. We come back. We're talking some football. Get those good questions ready from our comment section. Slam that like button. We are Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? 
Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go. Oh, Mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Yeah, welcome all back, everybody. He is the gun. He is B. Brooks. I am R. Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Media YouTube Network. Tell a friend, smash that like button. Uh, we've, we've had a lot of fun the first hour, talking a lot of hoops between the Sixers and Villanova. Always, always exciting. A lot of stuff happening with Jay Wright retiring, et cetera. But, you know, we, we can't. Man, we went an hour. I'm, I'm, I'm having, like, convulsions and stuff. We haven't talked about the Eagles in the draft because we're a week away uh, from the NFL draft. Let me first start with this, guys, before we really get into some of the draft stuff and we start fielding some of your questions. Um, any takeaways? And I know we were we were kind of coming on the air at the time yesterday when they met with the media, but from Howie Roseman and, and, and Nick Sirianni, anything stand out or was it just the usual fare where you're not saying a whole lot to, to not you know, tip your hand, if you will? Anything stand out, Gunner? It was typical, uh, typical pre-draft stuff. And, and, and I don't blame them. What organization wants to tip their hand uh, and let anybody know, especially if you have success in your draft process? And you certainly don't want your competition within your division to know what you're doing. Um, you know, so they don't give a lot of insight. No team really does. You know, we're looking at all prospects. We're, you know, I, no. 
you know, and, and I looked <laughs> at the transcript over and over again just to see if something would jump out, you know, in pertaining to the draft. And no, but that's but that's status quo. I mean, that's what you do. It's a cat right. and mouse game. You know, never let never let your opponent know what you're thinking. That's the way I was with Barrett. You know, I would tell <laughs> Barrett, I would tell Barrett what he needed to know, but I wouldn't always tell it. him what I wanted wanted to know. So, you know, you got to keep them at arm's length, man, because you, you're competing against these people. That's right. You know, friends, you friends know like this. Barrett's on a need to know basis for friends for like exactly. this who needs enemies. Friends uh, like this. Exactly. You know. Uh, how about you, B? Anything? Anything? Jump out. Uh, we're not going out and get any of these. Um, High price receivers. That's what I did here. Correct. Um, I, I, I I had the same takeaway. I don't think that's happening either. Um, I think they're very confident in the guys they have in their locker room. You could tell by where they were talking. Um, you could tell also that, you know, they got a lot of faith in their in their process. You know what I'm saying? They talk about their process. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Howie, I, I think, you know, he, he he learned a lot from this last draft as far as some people he can lean on uh, to help him with his decisions. And I think he's pretty confident going in. And Andy Waddell is going to be somebody he's going to lean on a little bit. I'm hoping that the pipeline between he and the coaches is open. You know what I'm saying? And, and that they're, uh, they're very, you know, they're very intertwined in, in, in who they want on this team. Um, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. You're hoping. Well, yeah. No, look, hey, go ahead, Barry. Yeah, you know, you know, Barry brought up an, a, a good point. They're happy with where the process is right now. And, and that's understandable. When this team rose from the ashes and found a way to get into a playoff with a team that was in a transition state, as Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman told us all last offseason, that we are in transition, meaning we, we got to retool this thing. They, nobody likes to use the word use the word rebuild. We like to re, retool this thing. So they had a winning record. They got young players, a lot of game experience th- along the way. The team as a whole, especially the young players, got a lot, uh, some valuable playoff experience along the way. And they're going to continue to try to build around this thing. So as soon as the season ended and people especially started talking about, we need a quarterback, we need to go get Russell Wilson, we need to get Aaron Rodgers. I kept, they're not coming here. That's not what you want here. Mm-hmm. Those type of quarterbacks are not what this team needs. If you're going to rebuild this thing the right way, you want to rebuild it with a young signal caller as well. And you have to justify making him, uh, uh, taking him where you did in the draft. So one season, 18 games was not enough sample of what he is or what he isn't to this organization. And while we have all broken down his deficiencies time and time again, you know, this organization, whether you like it or not, has said, you know what? We see some things that we believe that he can win with. We've got a number one, change the playbook to to his strengths. Number two, make sure he's getting the right tutoring in the offseason to make himself a better individual. And number three, we have to stay the course and stay committed to this guy at least for one more year. Yeah, because you know when they drafted him in the second round, when you're in the midst of Carson Wentz still being the franchise quarterback, everybody on the planet is like, "What?" I mean, this kid was projected as a third or fourth round draft pick, and you took him as high as you did. You have to justify that, and one season does not justify taking him where you took him. So kudos to the Eagles for staying the course, whether you know you like it, you didn't like it, you're indifferent to it, different to it, whatever the case may be. 
you have to stay with this young man at least one more year, build around him, and it looks like they're going to stay committed to the young nucleus around him, wide receivers, running back group, and try to build that thing through the draft even more so. You know, yep. because there's still a lot of middle-of-the-road middle veteran talent out there they could sprinkle in, and they may still do it depending on how they come out of the draft to fill some spots on this roster. All but right, as of so right let, now, they're staying committed to it. Let's uh, let's hit a couple questions here, which I think are, are, are interesting. Uh, let's start with this run, one from, uh, from Gigi. Do we trust on Howie to hit on the early rounds of the draft, or should we use picks to trade for an elite receiver? And, and this kind of feeds into to what we're discussing right now. Yeah, you know they had a good draft last year. There's no denying that. I mean, you, when yeah. you get impact guys like they got, they're, they're, but there's been a lot of bad drafts too. And it, and I feel like you can take this approach they're taking, guys, and, and that's all well and good if you're not going to go real kind of splash. I mean, offensively because they signed Reddick, uh, but you better get the draft right. You better nail a receiver at some point. It, it, you know, whether that's the first, second, third round, whatever the case may be. You better get at least one in here because right now it is nowhere near good enough on the outside. You're absolutely right, man. I mean, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get somebody early since they didn't go in free agency and go out and get a big name guy, uh, somebody they know could you could you could count on, um, somebody that's done it and proven themselves to be an upper echelon elite wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They 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 totally blew a you know the chance of doing that. So. All right, they're going to go into this year with with Pascal being their veteran receiver. Now, from what we've heard from from the head coach, you know Sirianni, that's you know he's he's more than he's more than happy with that dog mentality this young this guy displays, and you know he's going to bring the attitude they need uh, into the locker room and into the especially into that that meeting room. But going forward, they're still going to need somebody opposite of Smith to 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 play play at a high level. Now, whether you know you you think that this roster is good enough right now, they do. They think their roster is good enough right now, so they're they're confident going in the draft and building in the draft as they go forward. Am I confident enough? I I, I would I would have liked to see more, but you know the mentality of this team right now is to go in and trust the guys they have, trust this process, and they'll be they'll be okay with you know everything that they have going on in the locker room. So, well, Barrett, that said though. Like, do you? I'm asking you if, and Derek, you could chime in on this too. Do you think that they still believe in Jalen Rager? I they they can't possibly think, uh, they can't possibly still believe in Jalen Rager as a guy that's going to come out and just you know just just totally turn and do a 360 or even a 180 from what they saw last year and the year before. In fact, I would question I would question them as talent evaluators if they do that. Even as far as practice, you can't you cannot say that this young man right now is a guy that can come in and help your football team in the manner which you need him to and you drafted him to at excuse me at this point. You what you saw is what you saw. If your eyes are deceiving you, they're deceiving, you know, and, and, and telling you that he still has an opportunity to be a great receiver, then I gotta question who you are as a talent evaluator. So him thinking us thinking that he's going to come out and, and, and be more than what he was last year. No, it's not like a BG problem. No, BG eventually, you know, got it right and became a great player. I, it's, it's totally not what I see at BG. BG was hurt. He was a tweener. They didn't know how to play him. That's the difference. And no, he worked, kid, he worked his tail off too. Right. This guy is a wide receiver that just didn't have it. So or if you're not a good wide receiver, then you got to be good in special teams. He didn't have that either. Right. So as a talent evaluator, 
I can't see Jalen Hurts, I mean, uh, Jalen Rager, being that type of guy that's gonna come in and, and and make a big splash or an influence this year. So I don't see Jalen Rager as the guy that's gonna go forward and, and, and be anything what he is. What you said, Jay Jaw, Jay either. No. To, to answer the question, no. I think they're they're extremely frustrated with the lack of productivity from Jalen Rager, and, and rightfully so. Um, uh, some of it is on him in terms of not um, honing his his skills a lot more. Um, right now, he's he's a little more than a, a quality special teams player for this team. But when you consider how high they drafted him, um, that's not good enough. That's not the value they were hoping to get out of him. But this organization is frustrated with where he is right now. And he's basically has been given an ultimatum. Look, you need to get it together. You're not going to be here much longer. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's understandable. So so now the young man has a step back, look at himself in the mirror and say, how bad do I want this? I've sacrificed through high school and college to get to this point. And I was a high draft pick and I've not lived up to expectations. Now, obviously, a quarterback makes a receiver. Quarterback gets you the ball. That, that's how a receiver is made, by how many times a quarterback gets you the ball. But if a quarterback doesn't trust you out on the field, you're not getting the ball, which means you're a liability more so than an asset. So Jalen Rager has, hopefully, this season to turn things around. You know, depending on what the Eagles do in the draft, he may not have this season right. to prove himself again. Well, Jay Jaw, yeah, look at Jay Jaw. He, he's passed I mean, two catches last year, Derek. Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a great special teams player. Well, those are a dime a dozen. You can right. take a seventh-round pick and make him a great special teams player, you know. Um, but they haven't gotten the value they, they were hoping they were getting out of Arthago Whiteside. Uh, correction, Umbrella Whiteside and Jalen Rager. <laughs> okay? Um, and so now they've got to make up for lost time. Rihanna so, Whiteside, yeah. Yep. So, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me, depending on who's still on the board, if the Eagles went into the bag and got another receiver in the first round again. Um, but if they get another receiver in the first round again, one of those guys, Whiteside or Rager, is not going to be here. All right. So another question here, and this ties into what you were saying, possibly in the first round. But Gematria, uh, the real deal. I know if I'm, excuse me, I'm mispronouncing that. Gematria or Gematria, I don't know. D end or linebacker in the first round. What do you, what are you thinking, B? I, I think they're going to go with a, a pass rusher. Um, you know they. They just like we've been saying, and everybody that comes on as far as a guest will say the same thing. They believe in 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 shoring things up in, in the trenches, you know. And, I, and to me, that leads me to believe it's going to be a, a defensive end. Uh, it would truly shock me, and it probably shock every Eagles fan and Eagles, you know, um, coach that's been here and Eagles player that's been here. If they go out and draft the linebacker in the first round, it'd be unheard of, be an uncharted territory. In fact, I think the scout would be falling if they drafted a the linebacker. There, there's in the been first like round. a little bit of rumbling that it that this may be the year that they bust away from that. Maybe uh, I'm just saying. Maybe from your mouth to God's ears. Yeah, all but right. There's some quality out there in Lloyd. Um, you can go. Yeah. With what, Dean. what linebacker do you like the best? Lloyd. I, Dean. I like Lloyd. I like Lloyd the best. Lloyd. About is Christian my guy. Harris from from Bama. You like him at all? Christian Harris. He, I mean, even though he's got his neck infused, he's still a really really good. In fact, he's big. He's like six foot four, six foot three. You know, can run, yeah. Uh, can hit. He'd have probably been a second rounder, um, a, 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 a low first rounder. Runs a four rounder. four. Runs a four four forty. Bro, he he wore number eighteen. Eighteen is one of the most coveted numbers for the um for um for um Bama. LSU. I mean, uh, I mean, um, for uh, you know, no, I mean number oh, seven. LSU. 
LSU seven. Yeah, that's yeah. the big number at LSU. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. I, I like who, him, man. Who who did Christian Harris play for? Uh, Alabama. 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 Yeah. Good enough. Good enough for me. That's it. That's all you need to hear. Play for Alabama. Good enough for me. Now, now the one I like the most is Nicobe Dean. I love the way this kid plays. I understand he's an undersized linebacker, but you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They yep. get these undersized linebackers, but what's the attribute that they have? They are lightning fast. When you see running backs trying to turn a corner, all of a sudden you see these guys draped all over them like a cheap suit. Mm-hmm. You know, sideline to sideline, and they're tenacious. They get up under these big linemen, you know, to shed blocks and stuff like that. They can fill the holes. They can drop back and cover, tight end, slot receivers. Jacoby Dean can do it all. Yeah. And I watched this kid play all last year, and I'm thinking every time, every game, I, at least once, I'm sitting there going, wow, wow. He's always where the ball is. And you he's my frat brother, to too. He's what? He's my frat brother, too, just so you know. I don't like him. Don't draft him. I don't like him. He's I don't out. like him one bit. I don't like him. You're right there. Like he's, he's, he's the real deal, man. He's he the real run. deal, man. You know, you look, and, you look at a small backer. Who's a small middle linebacker for Tampa Bay? Was it Devin White? Yes, White. Okay. Look! Look at him! Look at his Devontae play. David also. Yeah, that, this play. is the classic mistake play. of people saying he's five eleven or he's five ten. He's not even oh, six what? foot. Okay, put the tape on against the best competition in the country. He wasn't yeah. playing stiffs, yeah. and the guy he's dumb. And his football IQ and instincts are off the charts. Yeah, ten steps ahead of everybody on the field. This yes. guy, I but, love Nicobe Dean. But I mean, I mean, Rob. I mean, look at him. I, you look at the, the way teams were running schemes these days on offense. It's everybody's on 11 personnel except yep. the Eagles. Everybody's on 11 personnel. One tight end, one running back. The rest wide receiver, three wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You got to have linebackers that can get, can, you know, right. cover li- right. uh, wide receivers, right. cover tight ends, and cover running backs. You need a guy like that. But also, you need a guy that's going to go out there and just be, you know, a, a savant in the middle of that defense. You yeah. know, say as you want everybody talking about Ray Lewis was just so tough. Ray Lewis, he didn't really play a tough game, he played a smart game, a calculated game. He went and made plays because he read so fast and he could evaluate what's going on before it even happened. If you came out in in, 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 a, in a certain set, he would know where the play is going before you even, you know, when it, before you even hiked yep. the ball because he yep. had watched so much film. You want players like that that evaluate. The days, you know, the big Jeremiah try to linebackers, and that's my dude, man. I played with him and he would he was a monster. Mm-hmm. are gone because you have to have these smaller guys that can carry, right. you know, people down the seams, you know, carry running backs and wide receivers down the seam. You need guys like that. So, and, and not only Dean's that, that Barrett, not only that, Barrett, but when you look at a Nicobe Dean, you send him on a blitz, he's going to get there. He's yes. getting home. He's exactly. that quick off the snap. And even if he doesn't sack the quarterback, he's making that quarterback alter his decision-making process. He's making him expedite that process. And a lot of times the quarterback makes a mistake. And that's what you want to help your defense get some of those turnovers. You know, the Eagles need to get defensive players that can help them enhance the turnover. They were one of the what, worst teams in the National Football League in terms of generating turnovers. Boys, yeah. You know, okay, so the Eagles need defensive players who can get home. If, if Jonathan Gannon is going to stick to his guns and not blitz that much, then you need players that, you need players that can help you change your mindset. The way Nick Sirianni changed his mindset about that offense, bring some defensive players ah, da, da. in here. So that Jonathan Gannon to sit back looking at this on paper and say, you know what? I can blitz more with this guy coming up the middle. I can, If we get an edge rusher, I can blitz more with this guy coming over here, especially if, it's, if that edge rusher is an interchangeable part where you can flip-flop him on either side. So, you know, you can line him up over the weak link of an offensive line. 
you know, I'm telling you, it changes the game in terms of what you can do to disrupt the timing and the chemistry of an offense. You look at the better defenses in the National Football League and some of the better teams in the league, a lot of times these teams are winning because of the defensive prowess. Yeah. We give so much, so many accolades to offense, but we neglect sometimes what the defense has, you know, the defense is handcuffed to begin with because of all the rule changes. But you can still overcome a lot of these things, and you look at some of the better defenses in it. I mean, look, look at that Rams defense, man. Look, look yeah, at the way the exactly. Rams defense plays. Yep. You know, they are lightning fast across the ball. The front seven is lightning fast. And they go out and get these players, whether they draft them or trade for them. You know, you got Aaron Donald coming up the middle. You got Von Miller over here. If I'm a quarterback, I'm stepping to the line of scrimmage doing like this. Mm-hmm. Instead of calling the cadence, get my guys. I'm like, okay, he's right here. Now, where's well, that other? Leonard, yep, Leonard on the other side. Oh, my goodness. Leonard Floyd? Yep. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Are you, so, you know, that's what you – that's today's football, man. You got to load up on these guys. When that ball says – when that ball is snapped, you want these defensive players to be able to beat the offensive linemen out of the stances a lot of times. And that's what the better defenses do. All right. Let me ask you, because there's a, I've noticed this, um, this obsession from our man, easy money. He loves Matt Corral. Okay. He he's, I noticed in the comments, that's all he talks about. Barrett, your, your thoughts on the, on the old miss QB. I, I, I like him. Um, he, he, He's definitely a student of, of the game. Uh, the year before last, he was a little reckless with the ball. Um, he, he threw a lot of interception, had a lot of fumbles just being careless with the ball. Well, he came back this year and under the tutelage of their head coach, you know, became a better a, be, a better passer, uh, a better decision maker. You know, things started going well for him. And in the entire season, he played well enough that you have to consider one of the top quarterbacks because he did take care of the ball. Mm-hmm. He has everything you want from a from a from a um a quarterback. You know, he has a he has a live arm, he can move around, has very functional mobility. Um he's he's a good quarterback, but I don't know if he would I mean if he got drafted last year, he wouldn't be in the top five or top six. But he does have talent. He's got those leadership qualities that you want. But you know, I think he's a little he's 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 kind of far away from being an NFL starter. You know what I'm saying? I think right now Jalen Hurts is more of a starter than he would be in the, in the NFL right now. He wouldn't come in and just be a game day starter, you know, the first game. He wouldn't are, be the guy. Are there any guys who fit that bill for you? I mean, there's Pickett who played a million games at Pitt. There's, there's he's the Willis closest. who's a little more raw. Yeah, he's raw. He's going to take, you know, a couple years also, you know, not next, this year or next year. Um, but you know, Pickett, Pickett's probably the closest. He'll probably he might go on a team and start like midseason or something. Or if they need him to play now, he probably could play now, but he'll go through a lot of bumps and bruises because he can't run away from guys like he ran away from guys uh mm-hmm. uh in college football. People understand the NFL, man. When you're playing college football, you're playing against maybe four or five all Americans. When you get to the NFL, all those guys on the roster were all American, all Big Ten, all SEC, you know what I'm saying, all Big 12. They were the all teams, uh, the all players that were on those teams. So you have to adjust to what the, you know, what you're seeing now. I mean, the speed is just so fast, you know, decision making so fast. The game is just so fast when you first get to the league. And I don't think any of the quarterbacks this year will come in and be first day starters. They eventually will be good yeah. quarterbacks. You know, but even 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 the kid from um 
the kid from um, um, Cincinnati. Uh, what's Ritter. his name? Uh, Ritter. Ritter. Ritter's yeah. going to be a pretty good pro also. You know, tall, has all the intangibles as far as arm strength. Um, you know, perfectionist. You know, he wants to do everything the right way. But it's going to take him a while for him to get on the field. It's going to take him a good while to get on the field. When you look at Coral, the one thing that's going to stagnate somewhat is the development in terms of making a transition from the college ranks to the pros is he didn't play in a pro-style offense in college, and, and, and that's going to hurt. You look at a lot of these college programs now offensively, they're transitioning playing these pro-style offenses now, which helps expedite a quarterback's play, making that transition. And Coral's got a great arm. I love his mm-hmm. arm. He's fearless. You know, He reminds me a little bit. Of, of, of a Baker Mayfield with better quarterback instincts. And a little bigger, too. Yeah, yeah, say, too what you, yeah. say what you want to say about a Baker Mayfield, but Baker goes out and plays the game with reckless abandon. Mm-hmm. And that's this guy. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there and get dirty. He's not afraid of taking a hit. You know, he's got the arm. He's got the he's got the, the, the tangibles to make the transition. But I think he's also a sit and wait. I know a lot of people out there love him, but he's not, he's not one of these guys that's going to make the transition where he's going to plug and play right away. He's got to get with an offense where he has time to sit and learn for a couple of years. And I do think he's going to be a legitimate NFL quarterback. I just think it's going to take him a couple of years to develop. All right. All right. Let's come back. Let's continue the draft talk. I, I want to um, dive a little bit more into the, into the wide receivers. We haven't really – we talked a lot about the fact that the Eagles may not go after uh, Debo Samuel. Right. But what receivers do we really like the best? We'll do that when we get back. We'll mix it a little Phillies who – Believe it or not, guys, breaking news, they won. They won a game. Yes, you heard me correct. They won a game (laughs) yesterday. So we'll talk about that as well. Keep the questions coming. We will go with the best ones. That's for sure. We are Sports Take, Barrett, Derek, Rob, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mama. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
The following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back in everybody. Sports take Rob Ellis, D Gun, Barrett Brooks on this Thursday. Looking forward to the uh, to the NFL draft coming up. So we'll keep that discussion rolling. I do want to get into the Phillies in a second, guys. But l- let's talk about the receivers. L- let's let's assume that they're not going to make a move for Debo Samuel. Always dangerous to assume things with the Eagles, but let's just do that for for our purposes. Let's run through it here because you have some interesting names here when it comes to the wideouts that, that could be available. Now, I'm not saying these guys are going to be there at 15 when the Eagles are selecting, but let me just throw you a couple names here. Uh, so, again, the Eagles have 15 and 18 in the first round, five picks in the first 101. So they have a lot of picks early despite trading away one of their first rounders. You got Jamison Williams out of out of uh, Alabama, mm-hmm. kid who, who would have been the consensus, not even yep. a thought, number one, but he blows out his knee and – not sure if he'd be able to start the season for you because he blew it out late. I think it was January. I forget the exact national date. championship game. National championship game. Yeah. Uh, so he six two one seventy nine, four four eight forty seventy nine catches over fifteen hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns, a monster. You got Garrett Wilson from Ohio State runs a four three forty seventy catches over a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns. Chris Olave, his teammate. Six foot, buck eighty seven, runs a four three nine, big game, big uh, season for him as well. Sixty five catches, thirteen touchdowns. Then you got some real big dudes. Traylon Burks from Arkansas, six two two twenty five, still runs a four five, over sixty uh, six catches, over a thousand yards. Drake London, another guy with an ankle uh, injury, runs a four five. He's six four two twenty, eighty eight catches by the way, guys, for a thousand yards, seven touchdowns in eight games. You got Johan Dot or uh, Jahan, excuse me, Jahan Dotson out of uh, out of Penn State. I'm sure, a lot of people around here saw him. 6'1, 178, 443, 91 catches, eleven hundred yards, twelve touchdowns. I'm throwing some at you, but there's a lot more than that. Any of these guys jump out at you guys? Any of these guys you look at and say, man, they'd be a perfect fit for this Eagles team? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh Jameson Williams, you know, like I I think he'll be back the first for the first game. Um, he'll be back, and we're talking about a guy that's gonna come in and, and, and put up numbers um, that are just unbelievable. You know, talking about the top tier wide receiver, he would have been the mm-hmm. consensus number one. Mm-hmm. And I, I still think that he'll be there around, you know, fifteen when the Eagles are gonna pick, just because he does have, a, you know, an injury. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that you know at this point, the way his rehab is, he'll get a clean bill of health going into training camp, and he'll be good to go. So that, I mean, that's easy money to pick up a guy. If he's sitting there. That's easy money to pick that guy up. You know, somebody opposite. Did he'll uh, drop because of the injury, Barrett, that much? I think so. I yeah. think oh, so. Yeah. Uh, yep. 
And and that what, the reason why I say that's going to be a, it's going to be a run on certain positions, and the positions are corners, um, offensive linemen, and defensive ends. Those guys will there'll be a run, and there's a lot of those guys in in, in perfect position to, to 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 you know bounce a guy like Williams back because okay. there's going to be guys needing um, quarterbacks are still going to make their run even though these quarterbacks you know I, I feel as though they're not as good as they've been years prior, but they're still going to make a run so. Um, hopefully he'll be there. And plus, you know, Chris, Chris Olave and Wilson, they, you know, they're so talented, you know, and the one, two punch that they bring to the table that they'll, they'll I mean, you, you'll get great value out of these guys coming in and being in camp and bringing in mini camp and, and being in the situation where they're playing immediately. How about you, how about you, Dark? When I, when I look at James, James and Williams, that I think he's the most intriguing wide receiver on the board because, you wonder how many teams will shy away from him based on the knee. And I think he will end up with a team that has a depth at wide receiver so you can bring him along gradually so you're not rushing him. You know, if, it, if there's a team out there that needs an immediate impact wide receiver because he is an impact receiver when he's healthy, I think you're going to have to wait and see with this issue. Now, Barrett says he's going to have a clean bill of health, and probably so. Because with modern technology now and all this rehab, guys yep. are back back on the field a lot sooner mm-hmm. than they were a few years ago. But I think some teams that are loaded with receivers would back off of them unless they just feel that, hey, you know what, by maybe the end of the first month of the season, this kid will be right where we are, more so than a team that says, we need an impact receiver right now. When I look at a kid like Wilson and Burks, those are the two guys I'm really going to watch closely. Because Wilson in particular, you can play him in a slot. You can play him outside. They stretch the field. Burks, the big kid, 6'3", 225, he can flat out go. That's a vertical threat. I don't expect either one of those to last past the top 20 draft picks. I'd be shocked if they're still on the board after the top 20 draft picks. Barrett's right. There's going to be a run. But people are going to get itchy because you gotta have you got to have people that can get the ball to the end zone. And both Wilson and Burks are the type of receivers that can get the ball to the end zone. They're good route runners. They need to polish their games a little bit. But they're good route runners. They play the good passing uh, programs as well. Uh, they've been groomed well. If they get with the right offense, they can hit the ground running and give you immediate help. Uh, but those are my two favorites. I mean, what, William stands above the rest. But I have the question mark because of where is he with the knee I- I- issue. You know, some guys heal quicker than others. We understand that. But, you know, I expect him to be ready to go when they kick off the season considering – he, he tore his knee up in the national championship game in early January. Uh, so he's going to have, what, eight months to get himself ready to get mm-hmm. back back in the game. But those other two guys, Wilson and Burks, I, I, I'm, I'm going to love watching to see where those guys go. What I'm really interested in, we've seen taking a gamble on the injured player work and not yep. work for the Eagles. Worked with the Eagles, yeah. yeah Landon Dickerson, right? Yep. I mean, a college career where when he was on the field, he was a dominant offensive lineman, but he was hurt a lot and major injuries, right? He had a great year last year for them when he stepped in at guard. We've also seen it not work. You know, we all know Sidney Jones and, and, the, and the way that played out, you know, when, when they essentially redshirted him that one year mm-hmm. and he really was never the guy. So I don't – like there's some school of thought that the Eagles would be scared off from a Williamson type it, it because of the injuries. But I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think it just depends on value and if you sit there. Like another – like Drake London's missed a, a boatload of time at USC. Right. That dude is a stud. No question. You said, you said eight games no over a thousand yards. Yeah, yeah but no, no question. Games, no question. You do worry a little bit, man, because he's missed a good amount of time. 
And oh, by the way, um, we missed out on DK Metcalf because of you know his right. his neck situation. Right, that hit us an ass. You know, so I mean, there are so many situations where modern medicine is getting guys back um, quicker than when it, you know when I was playing. It used to be that mm-hmm. if you had an Achilles, you were out for the year, right? Or a knee, yeah. you were out for the year. Now they're being guys are coming back in eight nine months. You know, so. I worry more about an Achilles than I do an ACL these days. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, Barrett, Barrett, you brought up a good point, though. Look at how far DK fell because of the, the, the injury factor out there. Yeah. Okay. He was legit first. Now, how many teams are kicking themselves that they passed in a DK Metcalf? I'm tired of kicking can, myself. And I can see a Jameis Williams falling in that category. You know, um, he's the elite. He's a, He is the elite of the, the elite that are on the board coming out. But how many teams might shy away because they just don't know? Is he, is he all the way back? Is he weird? And they're going to, he's going to be tested, obviously. You know, people are testing him and prodding and probing him, you know, time and time again. That, you know, the team's medical staff are going to be constant conversations with the university medical staff. Where is he? How is he? How's he doing? You know, uh, so on and so forth. But I think he can slide down the board a little bit just because of that. I worry, you know, the, the, the track record with receivers. I, I don't want to say Devontae Smith fell into their lap because kudos to Howie for making that trade with Miami and getting right. an additional one. So that's a, that was a big time move, but you know, he was still sitting there a, a guy who had such a dom. It was a Heisman trophy winner I, I mean, for crying out loud. That, that yeah. it was kind of a no brainer, but when it hasn't been a no brainer, it hasn't gone all that well. Or I think a white side regger, et cetera, even mm-hmm. when we don't need to relive this, but Justin Jefferson's sitting there and you don't take it. I just worry that Howie and that staff don't have a good eye for this position. I, I, I'm going I'm to tell you a sleeper, and this will be one of the sleepers that if they're the smartest guy in the room, I'll take it. And uh, it's a guy that I um I did the national I did uh, the semis for the FCS football um, last year. Mm-hmm. I did North Dakota State, JMU, and I had a chance to watch a whole lot of film of Christian Watson. Mm. Six foot four, 210 pounds, four, three, 40. Jumped off the film, can catch, but he's from an FCS school instead of an FBS school. He would be somebody that I would consider. He's, this Barrett, kid is going to be a star. He, a lot of people like him a lot. Uh, I, I didn't mean, see that. Let me see. There, well, uh, Black Line uh, chimes in. How do you guys feel about Christian Watson? Perfect timing yeah. at wide receiver, second or yep. third. Where where's the projection here with him? Is it is he? I, I think he's like a, probably a second rounder. Honestly, like it, it's he's he's getting a lot of love lately. From, yeah, from well, guys. he's I think he's jumped up the first. I think he's late first. Really first you know? round. Yeah, okay. yeah. He showed something, you know. That I mean, breakaway speed, catching, uh, his ability to be a return man on uh, special teams. He he's gonna he's gonna be a major. He's gonna he's gonna contribute to somebody majorly their first year. And he's somebody that I can feel, I feel as though they're going to be like, all right, you know, we're going to get this guy because it's going to make a big splash and he's going to do better than anybody else. Yeah. There's some PTSD, <laughs> North Dakota state. Okay. Ball three sixteen. no more North Dakota state. I'm good on that. I can't blame him. I, I gotta be honest. It's totally irrational, but I feel him on that. One. Right. <laughs> not Absolutely, you, man. man. Like you I know? still like, so somebody brings up Wentz. I'm like, eh, eh. You right. know, I, I feel a little bit of that. But well, when you when you look at a kid man. like Christian Watson, though, here's a kid that can come in and be a, a a number three, but all of a sudden, if his play lives up to the expectation, he can easily elevate to a number two. 
yeah. in, in a lot of offenses. You know, because of his size, his agility, his uh, pass catching ability, his great hands. You know, I only saw the kid play once, um, and so I'm, obviously Barry calling the games got to got to look at him a lot more. But you know, here's a guy you don't you don't have to put a lot of pressure on him to be what you want him to be in the long run. Now, by midway of the season, if he is everything you expect him to be, all of a sudden he's starting to get headlines and starting to get his name mentioned a mm-hmm. lot more in various television programs and, and all these football shows that are out there. And now he's going to start turning turning heads a lot more. Well, so, is, you know, it, it, is, he's an intriguing player. No, but as far as um, the way you look at this, is there a danger in looking at it and, stay, and saying, all right, his compliment on the other side, Smith, is on the smaller side. We have to draft the big guy. Or do you just say, who's the best player available at this position if you're the Eagles? See, that's 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 where I don't know how they're going to be thinking. Best player available. I, they, they haven't been a best, best player available type of team. Not to me. I mean, they to me, they if it was best player available, we wouldn't have Jalen Rager right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We, yeah. we, we wouldn't have had Minnesota – you know, you know, standing up and having a standard ovation. You know, if it was best player available. So we know that's not the case. Yeah. Even in the second round, we wouldn't have gotten. Uh, we probably wouldn't have gotten um, Landon Dickerson. We probably wouldn't have got. We probably would have gotten Asante Samuel Jr. You know what I'm right. saying? So right. they're not a best player available. I think that Howie just relies mostly on on you know his gut, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and, and a lot of the times, you know, going with his gut and now he's starting to listen to Andy, I, you know, they might make a splash, man. You know I mean? Say what you want to say about last year. They had four picks hit that played last year, running back, O-line, D-line and receiver. Four guys hitting those four first rounds before uh, the four, um, four to, uh, rounds. So mm-hmm. I love it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I enjoyed that draft. I was kind of questioning Landon Dickerson at the time. I was too. Everybody did. Yeah. And I thought we needed a, a um I thought we needed a a, a corner as opposed. We still need a corner because of that. Well, what worried me about Landon Dickerson was for a young dude to have the amount of serious injuries he had. I'm saying he's going to the NFL against bigger, stronger guys now and you and he couldn't hold up against college guys. How is it and look, I hope I'm wrong. He had an unbelievable rookie year for them, and yep, he looks like yep. a fine. I mean, he look, that's the strength of this team. I mean, they have an offensive line. If everybody's intact with Lane Johnson and Landon Dickerson and Jason Kelsey and Stay uh, a lot of – Yeah, I mean, they have and, – and a little bit of depth right now, unless Dillard, which is a distinct possibility, gets traded draft night. They're, that's the strength of this team, and you got to build off of it. Yeah. Well, you said so, that right there. You said that right there, and yeah. – and, Please don't, please don't say it's my fault. But I'm seriously thinking that's what's going to happen. Dickerson is on the board to trade, and he's going to go on a lot of attention. Dillard, Dillard, yeah, Dillard. I'm sorry, Dillard. Yep, a lot of attention Mm -hmm. going Dillard's way. Well, kudos kudos to Jeff Stoutland also for identifying that. You know, Dickerson struggled a little bit when he played on the right side, Mm -hmm. but once you moved him over to the left side, it seemed like a natural fit right there. Right. You know, we. You know, at that point, you know. When he initially started playing on the right side, people are saying, oh, my goodness, see, here to get a guy with a bum knee, he can't play. He's struggling a little bit. I mean, he's a rookie, first of all. Mm-hmm. What rookie hits the ground running, playing Maybe. lights out, playing at a Pro Bowl level? Besides Barrett. Wait, Barrett I didn't play at a Pro Bowl level. Did, did Barrett mm-hmm. actually say me? Yeah, well, I, you, I, I know I, you started right away. But, okay, well, let me let me, let me me focus, hone this into you, Barrett. You started right away. 
how much was your head swimming initially until it started and how long did it take to smooth out until finally it seemed natural more so than inconsistent? It, it, it took at least, you know, almost halfway through the season. Exactly. Before I was, before I, it, to me, it took halfway through the season before um, the offense trust me enough that they can call the offense regularly. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought that halfway through the season, they'd start calling and helping out Anton Davis on the other side instead of trying to help me on the left side. Interesting. You know, so, yeah. you know, it, it, was, it was one of those things where here I am, I'm a rookie, and I got a tight end my side because they don't want to just sit me out to the wolves. I'm going against, yep. you know, Mr. White. I'm going against Derek Thomas and all those guys. But then I, I saw halfway through the season, they started calling plays where the strong side ended up being the right side, where they keep the tight end on his side to help him out more so they're helping me. Mm. And that's when I knew that, all right, things have slowed down enough that now Gruden trusts me enough to block one-on-one against these guys as right. opposed to always sending protection my way. All right, let me throw this one at you. This comes from Vincent. Uh, love the show. Any thoughts on Malik Willis coming here? First off, will he still be there at 15? No. I don't think so either. But no. if he was, would you – do you think it's a possibility they would do it, and do you like him? Played at I, Liberty, by the way, for people I, don't know. Big boy. Well, not big arm. He's not a tall guy. Big, big arm, arm, yeah. Big arm. Huge arm. High ceiling as far as potential. Um, as far as athleticism, he's a Jalen Hurts with uh, a stronger arm. Yeah. Just not as big as Hurts is for thickness mm-hmm. and body size. I don't think so. I, okay. In fact, yeah, I don't think that they would take a chance on him. Would I like him in a locker room? I mean, I would be mad if they, you know, if they did draft him. Mm-hmm. But he's not a guy that's not going to play right now. We're talking about a guy that's, that's still a developmental player. You know, kind of like the situation that's going on. Uh, in in San Fran, in fact, it's exactly the same situation. Trey Lance, in San Fran, yeah, Trey Lance. You know, and I, that's why I don't think they're going to trade the starter. I think he will be there because they don't try, they don't quite trust Trey Lance to be the starter. Yeah, it's a weird situation. Like you, you, Garoppolo was almost saying like goodbyes after the season ended. Well, if he hadn't got a hurt, he probably would be gone. But yeah. since he got hurt, his value wasn't as such that they were going to trade him because like, all right, we'll just keep him here. It's mm-hmm. not like we're paying you know Lance a lot of money. Right, we'll just keep him here. Yeah, it still I, seems awkward. I, I think taking a Malik Willis goes against what the Eagles have told us, that they're committed to this other young quarterback right now. Hmm. You know, you send a mixed signal like that, and then you have more controversy in camp than you know what to do with. Jalen Hurts doesn't need What that. if they cared about that, man? What, what if I, they cared I understand about that, it, yeah. but they don't need that right now. If no, you're going to develop this young man, you need to hone in on babysitting him right now. Yes. You know, draft another quarterback – a quarterback you want to develop in rounds five, six, seven, you got enough draft capital. Do that and see what you might find. See if you find a diamond in the rough down the road, you know, in the draft. But you draft a quarterback like that high. We're in Philadelphia. What happens as soon as you draft him? The controversy begins. You're not going to do that now. Howie Derek, doesn't want to answer sense. those questions. Yes. Howie doesn't want to answer those questions. Jeffrey doesn't want to answer those questions. Nick Sirianni doesn't want to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. That would be you know how many national media would descend upon Philadelphia just to talk about why'd you take another quarterback that high? Yeah, you're you right back in that boat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right back. They don't there. want to I, do that. That's well, the I, last I, thing they want. 
No, and I, the Eagles are in a very unique position right now because they're not paying their quarterbacks anything. No, I mean, you, right. you have no. Minshew making nothing, backing up Jalen Hurts, who's making it by NFL standards nothing. Like it's it's a time you should be able to take advantage of this. The Eagles did it when when what before Wentz signed his new deal, but they're just oh yeah, Minshew. <laughs> yeah, uh, you were uh, one game against the Jets, and everybody's in love with Gardner. Right. <laughs> I mean, no, I think they're in love with him more so because of the antics after the game in the parking lot with his father, hugging his yeah. dad in, in his bomber yeah. jacket and his, oh, yeah. his oh, top gun jacket. jacket. Yeah. Talking about Seth, yeah. That burnt Seth up to no end. <laughs> Seth was so pissed off. I mean, this guy better act like a backup. He's a backup. He's the freaking backup. Why is all this attention on him? Oh, man. Seth was so pissed about that, man. I, I didn't see anything about it, you know, but, you know, I didn't. I wouldn't think anything about it until you know a week later. I heard that he went in to say, what, "You know, how can I?" That's what bothered me. I don't yeah. care that he's hugging his dad. Whatever. Right, that, right, that, right. That, 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 live it up, man. I mean, why not? But that yeah, was the his whole, Super Bowl, right? It, that was no, no doubt, Gunner. Yeah, but to do the whole, hey, I'm, I'm the guy. Yeah, come on, man. You know right. that, that to me is a little bit weak. And and like everybody handled it right. The beauty is, I really don't think Jalen Hurts is the. He's not like Wentz. He's not sensitive like Wentz in that sense. No, I really don't no. don't believe. I think he's very dialed in, man, and 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 the outside stuff is just noise to him, as it should be. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying he's hyper focused. You know, he understands that. All right, no, no, no matter what I do, I can go out there and win fifteen games. They're still going to treat me the way they're treating me. You yeah. know, what I'm saying so. I might as well just leave it alone. Let them do what they want to do. But I'm going to go out there and take care of my business. All right, I'm let's play at the level. Let's I take care of our business. Let's get a quick time out here. We come back. Back to the Sixers, man, and and, and Keith Pompey is up. Uh, he's in the uh, Great White North right hey man, now. Hey man, Xander keeps telling us that these commercial breaks are three minutes. This is the fastest three minutes I've ever seen in my life. I barely have time to swallow a piece of beef jerky. I almost choked on one beef piece last second. Oh, hey Xander, man. man, you better take time these commercials better, man. It's not three minutes. Uh, let's get Gunner a ambulance, man. There's a lot of crying going on. Hey, hey, hey. all right, so. Quick timeout. Let's see if Derek is still with us when we come back. If he didn't have any beef jerky issues, we'll see about that. Barrett, don't go anywhere. You don't go anywhere. Tell your friends, smash the like button. We come back from the Philadelphia Inquirer covering the Sixers. Keith Pompey. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really. Don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
The following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Sports Day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Rob Ellis, Barrett Brooks, Derek Gunn. All right, joining us now, you can follow him on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers. And, of course, check out all of his work, Inquirer.com. Or pick out a paper. Go grab one, man. And he's joining us from Toronto, Keith Pompey. Keith, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, our pleasure, Keith. Hey, it's not often an NBA game, let alone a playoff game. You turn the ball over 24 times, which leads to 27 points, 14 in the first half, and you still win, Keith. I mean, is this just as simple as Joel Embiid said, get on here, boys, and let's go? You know, kind of, sort of, because, I mean, you well, you were looking at it in the first half, and you're saying to yourself, like, okay, I know they're down, but they're coming back a little bit. They keep making mistakes. But Joel is, is playing, like, horrendously. Like, you know, he's horrible right now. And you don't think that that's going to, you know, be that way for the entire game. And, and I will say that he, you know, it to me, it was more of they also showed a lot of poise. I mean, you know, you guys know about sports and especially sports in Philadelphia. And you've seen the Sixers before. And you always saw how when they start making mistakes and all of a sudden they just used to balloon, guys would get frustrated. And outside of Danny Green trying to beat up the official, um, they were, you know, they were they, they were cool, calm, and collected. You know, yeah, no, 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 that, that was a pretty funny scene though, with, with with Tyrese and Harden trying to push him and get him. Up. He wouldn't even get off the court. But anyway, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, Keith, give me your perspective on the way Doc Rivers has moved his chess pieces uh, in this series. We have we have chastises everybody has and criticized Doc throughout the course of the season. I thought he's done a very commendable job so far throughout the first three games of this series, but I, I want your inside perspective. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and you know, the, the funny thing is like, I tweeted out something like give him his flowers flow or something like that this morning, because when you look at it, you know, everybody, we all talk about that shot, yep. but doc rivers basically saved that possession. Yep. I mean, he ran on the court. The people in Toronto up here upset because he ran on the court. But he ran on the court. He called that timeout. And then he, you know, um, came up with that play. I mean, as soon as he called the timeout, he said, give me my clipboard. And then they go over it. And, you know, he's he's basically like Nick Nurse is a, a great tactician. Mm-hmm. But Doc Rivers has seemed like that he's been, you know, one step ahead of him all series right now. And um, he, he's doing a, a, a very good job. Yeah, on top of that, Nick Nurse doesn't have a guy guarding the ball, Keith, and, and that really yeah. allows a clean pass for B to get that look. Yeah, that was one of those things. And and if you look at it, you know, you had Pascal Siakam, 
uh, Trail and Maxi, and Maxi was basically, you know, these guys are running away from the play. Um, yeah, and he, and he gave him a clean look. Now, the, the one thing I'll say about Nick Nurse and Doc Rivers has been on doing a great job. I, I think like Nick kind of sort of knows that right about now I don't have the horses to keep up with the Sixers or MB. So he's making these gambles. Now, if it works, we're all like, wow, great play. But when it doesn't work, you know, all of a sudden it's like, dude, you didn't have anybody going the inbounds pass. But at the same time, I, I feel like if he doesn't make gambles, if he doesn't complain to the refs, he just basically knows that MB is going to destroy him and and just beat the, and the Sixers are going to beat him. And we're it's almost like no moss. Yeah, it's no moss, basically. Yeah, basically. Well, you know, when I, I looked at this game and, and what I the biggest take I got of at the end of the game, even at the end of the game, I saw that this team is learning how to win. They're learning how to finish games. You know, that, I had a big problem, you know, with all these huge leads they'd be blowing. But it seems like everybody's taking their turn now. You know, yes, it's dominated by Embiid. But the supporting cast, like Harris, I, I can't believe Harris. I mean, even Harris is, all right, he didn't light it up yesterday. But defensively, he's been there. He's doing it. He, he's hitting shots when he's supposed to hit shots. He's making himself available to be a contributor in his game. And I've thought that, you know, during the season, he kind of like sat back and just watched the rest of the Sixers play. Now he's starting to take a step in the right direction because mm-hmm. I'm not getting enough from Harden. Yeah, and you know what with, with Tobias is, it's kind of like, and I'm not saying he wasn't bought in, but after Harden came, he basically said, hey, this is going to be my role. I have to protect. I mean, I have to. Um, I have to do whatever I can that the coach says for me to do. You know what I mean? So you know, and and what that means is like that last play, setting the screen. You know, you're not right. always going to get your shot, but you can grab rebounds. I mean, these are something that you know you, you, the guys six nine, six ten. This is something that you all six ten guys can do. It's just all about will and want to. And 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 I think that's what he's been doing. And and you're right. You know, the thing about Harden is you know. When we think of James Harden, everybody thinks of, you know, dribble, 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 step back, three, shoot. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that. Well, that's that James Harden, like, isn't isn't very good with the Sixers. He's better, like, getting, uh, you know, Joel involved, of course, getting Maxie involved and Tobias Harris. So I think that with Harden trying to, you know, being that facilitator, and then the key is Tobias and Tyrese Maxey. When those two guys are both on, that what makes the Sixers tough to beat. I like that more so than there was a couple possessions yesterday where we saw Harden dribble, 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 and then next thing you know, everybody else was standing around. I don't think the Sixers can beat a team if they do a lot of that. I, tempo. I can't see yeah. it. We got to have tempo. I mean, yeah. dribbling the ball the court. Just you know, I don't want that from I don't want that from Harden. If you're gonna bring up the court. Let's get a little effort. You know, let's, let's, let's get the tempo going, you know, because that makes everybody else move. When you dribble up, everybody's standing around, it seems like, when you slow the slow ball walking up the court. But when you, when you you know, going, then everybody's moving and shaking. You know what I'm saying? I don't like when they just play that, that ball, that half-court ball where they're sitting back and, you know, make – no, let's go, let's run, let's have tempo. I think they play better in that, in that capacity. I agree 100%. Hey, hey Keith, do you think um... – Harden is is overcompensating uh, because of the hamstring. It's not talked about much, but you know we're so spoiled by seeing a certain style of play from a James Harden. You see flashes of it, 
when he, he gets the dribble, he penetrates, dishes off, or th- flips up that floater. But we don't see it as consistent as we have in the past. Is that is that hamstring fully healed, or do you think he, he's overcompensating for that? Now, they keep saying it's overhealed. They keep saying that. But, you know, you, 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 you see the sleeve. Yep. And then sometimes you see the thing wrapped around his calf. So that's telling me that it's not. I, I think that, you know, it's one of those, I mean, Barry, you played, suck it up, man. You got to yep. suck it up and play. <laughs> now, I can go out there and play. It's, it's not an injury. And then also you can look at some of the shots that he's missing, that his lift isn't there. His legs, mm-hmm. he's like pushing the ball. Um, so, and his explosiveness is gone. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hampering him a little bit. But it's all not a little bit, a lot. But it's one of those things where they keep saying it's not, um, and he keeps saying, "Hey, I'm out there playing. I'm trying to, you know, do my do what I can." But you know, the real test is going to be, you know, how he comes back next year. You know, to see see if if you know just to see if he can blow by people because he's he's been slow. He's been yeah. slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I think he's had a really good series though. Keith, yes. all things considered, oh. he he's oh, yeah. you know he's distributing. I think he and Maxi are starting to really vibe together. Uh, he there were a couple moments you see the flashes sometimes when he can finish around the bucket, but I think all in all he's played well. I agree. It's funny because you know we go to uh, we we go to um, the Raptors shoot around yesterday, and the first person there was uh, Fred VanVleet, and they said people were telling me, "Yo, this is the most honest dude around. Like you will love him." So he's basically saying we need James Harden to take over the game. We want James Harden. <laughs> they basically know like the stuff that we're just talking about, but at the same time, with him being a facilitator, he's like he's finding everyone and he's kind mm-hmm. of frustrating them. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a conscious thing of them to like like a, a, a just attack blitz Maxi, blitz Tobias, and they wanted James to just be ISO James. So. That, you know, that says a lot about his passing ability, and it has been on point. Now, that's one thing I will tell y'all. I didn't know he had that in this game. I was so used to seeing, you know, boom, 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 yeah. And then yeah. now you start seeing him making the right passes. You start seeing him being a leader um, on the floor. Like, like think about Danny. He was one of the guys that got in Danny's face. Like, yo, you're not going to blow this for, uh, for us. Mm-hmm. Telling Tobias, you need to shoot. So, there are some leadership qualities that he has that are in, that are enabling him to be extremely effective when his shot isn't falling. Well, let me ask you this, man. Um, and B, you know, and and I mean, elbow, wrist, whatever. Is he gonna be okay? Is he all right, man? Yeah, I think he will. I mean, the thing about MB, you ever notice, like, have you ever walked out of a game and 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 MB wasn't something wasn't wrong with him? Right. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like in his like two days, have you ever? So I I think he'll be fine. I mean, you know, I think he knows what's at stake. And also I think that he hears the whispers. You know, there's always been one of those things where, you know, Joel MB is a great player, but he but he's but he's fragile. Yeah, but, yeah, but, you know what yeah. I mean? So I think the biggest but now is, like, bruh, you was talking all this stuff about to Drake, like, we're going to sweep. <laughs> you was telling Nick Nurse, stop um, stop whining, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And now you mean to tell me you got a boo-boo after you hit a three <laughs> with that boo-boo and you can't play, <laughs> you know? So I think MB is going to play this game. Do you think they finish him off on Saturday, Keith? Do you think it's a, it's a, it's a sweep? 
Uh, you know, that's a great question, man, because, you know, they got two nights in Toronto, right, after everybody's telling you how great you are. Which is a fun uh, town, by the way, yeah, people yeah, have been in Toronto. Yeah, you, you can do a, some damage in Toronto. You can do a lot of damage in Toronto. I was hoping that Doc, since, you know, it's an hour flight, but they don't want to go through customs right yeah i hear you so, so but um you know i, I don't know I, I do think that they'll they'll find a way but i wouldn't be surprised if this series extended to five just because we're in toronto for two days mm. yeah. kind of like so, the miami effect yeah bro you just understand man being yeah. in places like that and you have a little bit more time yeah. All right. And we and we know we know Harden. We know Harden. Everybody yeah. knows Harden. You know what I'm saying? Steakhouses. A lot of steakhouses. A lot of wings. You say a lot of wings. What do you call them? Yeah. Lemon pepper. A lot wings. of beef to get. The best wings. They yeah. got the best wings here, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, Keith, can you can you talk about the maturation of, of Maxi? I mean, you know, this kid. I mean, this kid's got ice water in his veins. The play, the, the play he's the way he's playing right now, and I think by Harden being less than James Harden has really in helped Maxi enhance his game and gain that much more confidence. I agree 100%. I mean, the first thing I'm going to talk about Maxi, I remember last year it was summer league, right? And like it was after the season and, you know, we're getting ready for summer league. So I said, yo, man, what you do this summer? He said, man, I've been doing six a day. I like six a day. <laughs> he like, yeah, I work out six times a day. I'm like, no, what you mean? Like different things? Nah, I keep going to the gym six times a day. So you're like, wow, this guy is different, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that tells you a lot about him. And, and that's, and his girlfriend is a basketball player too. So mm-hmm. what they do is they go on the court and work out together. So wow. like, that's how this guy is. And you are a hundred percent right. It's kind of sort of like, and, and he's fortunate to have a guy like James because, you know, James isn't like one of those guys that's saying, hey, I still want to be the top dog. He sees this young guy who can basically help him in regards to helping his assists, doing all this other stuff. So they've been utilizing Maxi in a way that they haven't before. Last year was all about the floater. You know, um, early in the season, they had him running the point. But when James came here, it's kind of like, yo, you got to utilize your speed. We're going to kick the ball out there and you just go to work to you. And, um, you know, I, I think that has been the key, his maturation. And, um, you know, it's one of those things now when you have a guy like Tyrese Maxey getting to the cup, doing the things that he's doing, all mm-hmm. that does is it, it the traffic that Joel used to always see, it kind of makes it shift a little bit. Because if not, Maxie's going to kill you. And then that enables Joel to get some, you know what I mean, some one-on-one situations mm-hmm. that he wouldn't have normally received in the past. So mm. what concerns you, Keith? Obviously, they're up 3-0 and beat. Unbelievable second half. A lot of good things we mentioned, Doc and Tobias. Biggest concern going forward, and, and we could say this, they can't. Let's assume you get past the Raptors. You're going to have to get by likely the Heat and or the Celtics or Nets. What what concerns you the most? Well, there's two things. One thing that always concerns me with the 76ers is overconfidence. Because if, how many times have we seen the Sixers, like, we all say, oh, they arrived, they arrived. And the next thing you know, that next game, they, like, take it a little easy and they lay a clunker, right? So that's the one, that's a big thing, the Sixers. 
Because around the NBA, the Sixers have a reputation of being a team that defeats itself. That's what people think, right? The second thing is, you know, when you go up against Miami, that's a physical team. I mean, yep. you have the um, Markeith Morris, you have Kyle Lowry, two guys from Philly. You have um, you have Jimmy Butler, and what they're going to try to do is they're going to think they were playing with Brad with the Eagles and the Steelers, and they're going to try to right. get physical, and they're going to excuse my French, try to well, I ain't going to say it, but they're going to try to intimidate the mm-hmm. Sixers. So what we're going to see is they're going to have to step up, and they're going to have to give it back to that team. Because uh, uh, when you look at the talent level, you see Tobias, you have James, you have Joel, you know, these guys, um, Maxie, they're extremely talented, but they have to know that these dudes, when they get down there, they're going to be physical and they're going to try to like, I mean, they're going to toe the line, but they're going to knock them around. They're going to do whatever they can just to get in their head. And they've been doing that to the Sixers, the Miami Heat in the past. So it's one of those things where, they got to know that they got to uh, man up and come physical and be ready for, um, a, a, you know, a, I don't want to say war, but, you know, a real tough contest. Can well, the Sixers you, play their style of ball Can it, and be successful? You know. Game two. They, it, well, but, yeah, the game but it, it is a different thing, though. See, here's yeah. the thing about Barrett, the thing that stood out to me in game two, and, and I'll answer your question. Um, you remember when – yeah, they were physical. They were popping them. And then when MB like got in my man's face, it stopped. But at the end of the game, MB went over there and said, I respectfully told him to stop whining. Yeah. That's not respectful. Now, if that was like a real like if that was the Miami Heat and somebody went over to the Miami Heat coach and said that. I mean, Haslin would have came off the bench. Right. Would have got his walker out and hit him over the head with it. Yeah, they would have came off the head. So to me, I'm like, yo, hold up, y'all. Y'all going to let this dude respect your coach? So, you know what I mean? So, again, is a different type of animal. Is a different type of they're going to go. So yeah. can yep. they do it? Well, we're about to figure out. I mean, they do have James. They do have Paul Millsap. Now, I know Paul Millsap doesn't play. They also have um, Jordan, who doesn't play a lot. But I kind of think that these are guys are going to look at some dudes and be like, "Look, bro, you ain't going to let him, ain't going to let him push you around." So, so we'll see. I, we'll, we'll see. And I'm gonna tell you this: in the past, they didn't have it. They were like too nice, and and they got pushed around. And what teams used to do? Think about. There was one game in particular with Miami. The Sixers were having a real good um, game, and they went after the heads of the snake. They went after Embiid. And then they won after um, Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. And after that, the Sixers folded. So, to me, this is going to be a good test to see mm-hmm. if they grew up in, Jimmy, in that type of way. And Jimmy's still pissed off. He let him go. They picked him over That's there. Right. Over, That's over, right. Uh, you know, Simmons. So, yeah, I, I see it, man. I see a physical game. But like I said, it's a maturation process that this, this 76ers team is going through right now. And, you know, not, you know, jumping over it and looking, you know, towards, some, you know, another matchup or anything like that. Going into this game, they got to learn how to finish. And this, you know, last night was the stepping stone of learning how to finish. Going in, and if they win um, this Saturday, it, it, it's only going to make them more confidence. And confidence is the thing that they've lacked in the past. They've almost, they almost beat Kawhi Leonard. You know what I'm saying? They almost beat Kawhi Leonard. That almost, they almost beat 
uh, uh, you know, the the the, the Hawks. You know, that, that almost stuff don't do anything. We're not playing horseshoes. You know what I'm saying? We we want we want to make sure that we go out there and impose our will and be a confident team. And even though we didn't finish number one in the conference, we're definitely a team that you know you have to gear up to beat. You know, what I'm saying? so it should be a change in in their mindset. That all right, you have to beat us. We don't have to beat you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, that's what. But you know what they're saying? This is the mentality that Doc Rivers is bringing to the to the organization. And then you look at James. Now, I know James really hasn't won anything. You know, Doc won the one title. But then they also have a guy who they can depend on in Danny Green. He has three rings, right? So they can uh, depend on him. But, yeah, it's – but, but but again, it's all about Embiid. I mean, you know, if Embiid can stay healthy, if he can find ways to dominate and, and then draw that attention and then kick the ball out and other guys uh, do their roles, you know, they, they can be successful. They can. Now, the one thing I will say, y'all, like, they're going to have so much pressure on them in the next round. You're going to have James Harden where people are saying, oh, the second round is where he starts to struggle, right? Up, oh, Joel has never been out of the second round. Doc Rivers is the king of blowing 3-1 leads, they're going to say. So for everyone, it's going to be that pressure. And then when you look at the Sixers, you know, I, I think – the last time they got out of the second round was in 2001 when they won the championship, right? I mean, went won the Eastern Conference championship. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. And like you said, you know, they uh, they got to bring the toughness and um, and they also have to, you know, settle down and, and lock in and, and, and do all the things because, you know, that's going to be the storylines. Can they do it? Can Doc do it? If they go up two games to one, uh oh, are we going here again? You know things like that. Right, right, right. right and and right. speaking of speaking of Doc Rivers, we hear so many rumors in the whisper mills about Doc Rivers being on a hot seat. How deep does he have to go into the playoffs to where his job secure for next season? You know, it's it, that that's a great question because you know it, I I have I keep going back and forth with that because you know mm-hmm. you, you look at Brett Brown who's still getting paid this season. He comes off the books next year. Doc Rivers still has three years left um, for $24 million, right, in those three years. Are the Sixers willing to give this guy $24 million? Now, if he gets another coaching job, okay, the team might take it up. But are they willing to eat all that money? You know, so that's the main question. You know, and, and secondly, you know, you look at it, and I always felt like, you know, if James Harden is struggling, if he's struggling mightily, which he isn't right now, but if he was struggling mightily, let's say in the second round, is that uh, is that Doc Rivers' fault? Right. If James is missing shots, you, you know, and, and you know, so the thing is, I, I think that he has shown us something. Like if he wasn't coaching the way he is, I felt like you know he would have to get out at least the second round mm-hmm. to, to save his job, and it still could be that way. But mm-hmm. at the same time. When you look at it and you talk about the Ben Simmons situation, um, you talk about how Harden came and 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 it's taken a while to find his way. Is that like really a good choice to fire this guy over that? I mean, because he gets smart with the media. You know what I mean? I don't I don't think that's a good choice. And I love Dan Tony, but at at the same time, it just seems like you know you got Doc Rivers. Um, 
people question some of the things that he does and, and coaching wise. But at the same time, y'all, he's showing us that he knows a little something mm-hmm. and he's been playing well, uh, coaching well in, in this series. Keith, I, I just for a second want to jump over to the uh, to the Celtics and the Nets. And okay. Boston's up 2-0 right now. I know obviously you were locked in on, on the Sixers last night, but it was a rough night for, for Durant. It was a rough night for Kyrie and, and Boston's defense is obviously phenomenal. And that plays into this in a big way. Reports today say Simmons is going to try to come back and play game four, which I think is Monday. Yeah. That's a tough spot you're dropping anybody into against that in this pressure cooker when you're likely going to be down. You're no, you're definitely going to be down in this series against the best defensive team in the in the NBA. Is that a good move by Brooklyn? Is it a desperation move? I, I don't like it. I mean, I don't like it. I, I do think it's kind of like a desperation move. And the reason why I don't like it is because you know, play. I mean, regular season, Ben Simmons is an all-star, right? He gets out there, he does a lot of things, you know, but in the playoffs, it's more of a half-court game. This guy has yet to play mm-hmm. all season, so we're going to find out, the uh, the Bostons are going to make us find out quickly how Ben Simmons got over his, uh, his poor, his hard three-throw shooting, mm-hmm. or is he scared to, like, you know, to have the ball in his hands late in the game? I mean, to me, you just put yes. this guy on the spot. You know what I mean? And and, I, and, and mate was a, assist, a Sixers assistant. Um, a lot of these guys, he knows. He knows Brooklyn. He he knows uh, Ben Simmons. Like to me, I don't know if I'm bringing a guy back without having him play in any other games in Game Three with my team down two zero because I just feel like that's the easy way. Yo, let's put him at the foul line. Let, let, let's let's make – I don't know. Yeah, why I, wouldn't you? Crazy. Huh? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? I yeah. mean, it's just smart. It's good basketball. And you get fired he, nowadays for not doing it. But no, no. The, but here's the other thing. <laughs> the thought process is is that the, the ball's not going to find them. They're tripling Durant. You know, they're, they're doubling Kyrie every time. They got to kick the ball if that's the case. It's going to find them. Exactly. And, and the funny thing is, like, they say the ball is not going to find them. Like Ben Simmons' game is predicated on him having the ball. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like he when 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 he doesn't have the ball, he gets lost. You're basically playing four on five, right? So he needs the ball in his hands to distribute, to set teammates up. And then I get it, you know, you want to put him on people and be a, a good defender. But like you know, even if you just have him out there, I mean, you you might be better just just playing another one of your guards. And as opposed to him, because at least mm-hmm. that person is going to step in and knock down a three. You know, Ben Simmons just standing in the corner. It's like, okay, yeah, he's over there, but <laughs> until he hits five of them in a row, yeah, I'm leaving him there. I'm gonna go over there and guard him. Yeah, Hey, Keith, you brought up something a moment ago about Doc Rivers and his relationship with the media. Um, I, your thoughts on? how he can be flippant with the media at one point and then try to be buddy's buddy with the media the next. Do you think he, at some point he's starting to, to feel the heat, the outside heat, so to speak? You know, at, at one point I did think so. I, I felt like, you know, he knew that this, and there was a certain point where the team was kind of like underachieving a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, he would get a little frustrated. There's also been certain times where, and, and, and doctor, you know, Doc has a point, and I, what I'm gonna say this is, like you know, Doc Rivers just picked up his a 101 uh, victory, like 101 victory. You know, that's fourth all time in playoffs. 
but no one asked him a question about it. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like sometimes he feels <laughs> a little like, you know what I mean? Like a little disrespected at times, but then whenever they make mistakes, he, he's always, uh, you know, being asked about it. Um, but I will say like this market is different from the LA market. Like, you know, LA is all about the Lakers, the Clippers, mm-hmm. you know, your Doc Rivers, your charismatic, you know, you know, everyone loves you. So he's not getting asked all these questions. And I think a lot of times, you know, what, what Doc does is when he talks about a player and he snaps on someone, people don't know that Doc is really trying to protect that player, but mm-hmm. it comes off like wrong. You know what I mean? It comes off wrong. Now, the one thing I will say with y'all, and I'm going to share this story with y'all about a coach. When I was covering Temple, I remember one day at practice, Fran Dumpy snapped into me. Like he really like won off on me, right? And the funny part was after the game, this was the day before the game. So after the game, he comes over and he apologizes. And I said, nah, coach, I'm good. I felt like I was part of the team. (laughs) 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 Because what Fran would do was, Fran would, like, earlier in the week, he was cool. But you can tell, like, when he got locked in, his, his attitude changed a little bit. So, like, to me, I'm like, you yelling at them, you can yell at me for what I wrote. I don't care. We're good. You know what I mean? But with Doc, I think, like, you get some of that. And then there have been certain people in the media who have been taking a lot of shots at him. Mm. You know what I mean? A lot of shots at him. Deservedly so. Yeah, but some of them is, like, it's okay. Uh, out of right. bounds, man. Some, yeah, of, some, of, them be, some of them out of bounds. But here's yeah. the deal. So, the deal, look, I'm going to ask y'all. And I'm like, if a um, okay, so you guys are all journalists, right? So if you wrote something, except Barry, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wrote something or if you said something, they always told you to make a point to show up the next day, show right. your face, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And even like Barry, like you know, you're a journalist too. But when you play, if somebody wrote something and they didn't show up the next day, you kind of like. Come on, man. I'm looking for him. I'm yeah, looking, looking for, him. for him. Yeah. And you don't even have to say anything. Just show up. Yeah. And, and like, I think there's been certain people who have taken some shots at him and they don't show up or they don't, they don't even ask questions. But when they go on Twitter, they're tweeting and, and killing them. And what happens is they all say they don't read it, but it always gets back to them. Mm-hmm. So there's some of these people like where I feel like sometimes it's his way of, oh, I gotta get you. <laughs> right, right, right. Got you. Only, he's only he's only human. You know what I'm saying? He's only yeah, human. Yeah, yeah. Keith, man, great stuff. It, it was really good uh, yeah, catching man. up with you, man. And, and have some fun tonight. All right. And call Derek if you need bail money. Yeah, if you right? need need yeah. bail money, man. I I'll, I'll wire you some money, man. He's I got some, I got I got a few coins in my pocket. Bro, yeah, go hang, go hang, right. go hang out with Harden, dog. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, I still want you to be to work tomorrow I mean, on Saturday. But he still, does all right, but I don't know if he can roll that way with Hart. They're going to be like, you brought him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Keith, thanks, man. We really appreciate right. it. Oh, Keep up man. the good work, all right? Thanks for having me, y'all. All right, yeah, you got it. That's man. Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith does an excellent job, man. Check him out, inquirer.com. All right, let's take a time out. We'll come back. We will uh, get it back to the Eagles, and we'll mix in little Phillies. Uh, I've, been, I've been teasing it all show. They actually won. It's, you know, we, we have to celebrate a, a Phillies victory. It's one of 
162 or something like that. Anyway, we come back. Sports take. He's Barrett. He's Derek. I'm Rob. Jacob Media YouTube Network. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. baby welcome back in final segment man time flies as they say when you're having fun that's for sure barrett brooks Derek gunn rob ellis sports take jacob media youtube network and uh tomorrow i'm looking forward to this tomorrow guys we're gonna have james palmer on from the nfl network mm-hmm. james is gonna join us um so if the name sounds familiar son of scott palmer but uh james has been at the nfl network for for a long time now he will be next week in philadelphia and he'll be essentially their Eagles reporter. So he will be all over the bird. So he's well-versed on what's going on with them, who they may draft. Uh, so we'll be talking to him tomorrow at 1 o'clock, so you want to uh, stay tuned for that for sure. Uh, all right, so we'll get back to the birds in a second because I want to I want to hit you with a couple other names that I had on my on my big board, as they say. But let's uh, let's hit a little Phillies here because they did win. They, they beat the Rockies 9-6. to six. The bats actually came alive, believe it or not. Four home runs yesterday. 
How about this one? Johan Camargo, four hits. He had a three-run home run. The Phillies had a monster, a five-inning seventh. They hold on. They stop the bleeding, and at least they get on a plane to come back to Philly yesterday with, with a good taste in their mouth. It's about time, man. They needed that, man, in the worst way. Bats heated up. And, and you know, we, we all know we're going to fall short in the bullpen. But we at least thought we were going to have, you know, you know, some scoring, you know, every night consistently, you know what I'm saying? Especially with the DH here now. I mean, I thought we were going to be good. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not ready to say they're – I think the bats – I'm not worried about the bats as much. I, I, they're, the thing with them is they're a weirdly constructed team in that they're not a good defensive team. It feels like they have about seven guys who should be playing DH and not being in the field. Yes. It's not great. <laughs> Um, the starters haven't been good enough, uh, for the most part. And the bullpen on this trip hurt them. So it's really been a complete failure. (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes you say, oh, it's a team loss. It's been, you know, everywhere you can point has been bad. I got to imagine when you're, when you have this kind of proven track record, as far as offense goes, that they're going to get better, at least start hitting more consistently. Like we saw yesterday. Yeah. But you can't, you can't win all your games by softball scores. You know, they're not going to score nine runs every night. And when they're in low-run scoring games, I'm extremely concerned about this pitching staff. Yep. I mean, you look at what happened with Zach Eflin yesterday. He went five and two-thirds, but he gives up nine hits and four runs. And, you know, when the Eagles went up – I mean, Eagles. When, when the Phillies went up on them nine-four, they still allowed them to make it a game. Come oh, back yeah. and make it nine-six. Oh, yeah. You can't trust the bullpen. The starting pitching has not kicked in the way you thought it would. Um, you know, again, the other day, Nolan pitched a great game. And then all of a sudden, the bullpen almost gives it away. Mm-hmm. You know, Zach Wheeler still isn't where we we hope he's going to be, and, and we expect him to be. Um, but, uh, but so I have some concerns. You you can score ten runs every night. I said, okay, they're going to win the majority of their games just based on their bats alone. But that's not how the game is played. Yeah, you know, no, you got to get some stellar pitching in there, man. And it's not happening right now. It's a tough way to go every night when you got out slug teams. I even even in this day and age, man, it is not an easy thing, that's for sure. But look, there's high expectations for this team. There's a big payroll. They went over the luxury tax. There's a lot of things yes. coming yeah. into play here that, that's putting pressure on this bunch. I mean, I found it interesting yesterday. Joe Girardi, when initially the the at least the thought was that he was going to sit JT Real Muto. He wasn't going to catch him, yeah. give him the day off. Yeah. He was in the lineup, and he was catching yesterday. There was a little bit of sense of urgency, despite how early this thing is. Yeah, yeah. I, I look, I, I look at, I look at their schedule coming up also, and with the way they're playing right now, this is not easy. They're, they're home. They got Milwaukee for three. Milwaukee's playing good ball right now. Mm-hmm. You got Colorado for four. They, they just lost two out of three to Colorado. And Colorado's been a lot better than people thought they were going to be. So yeah, far this especially year. me. I thought they were going to be an okay team. I didn't expect yeah. them to jump out of the gate like this. Then you got to go to New York and play the Mets for three. And the Mets pitching staff has been on point. The Mets pitching staff is why they're nine and four right now. They've gotten timely hits, but um, you know the Mets. Okay, Texas is two and nine. You know Texas is what it is. After that, you got the Mets again for four yep. games. Yep. Then you got to go out to Seattle. Seattle's playing decent ball, and then you got to play the team with the best record in the majors right now, the Dodgers, on the West Coast for four games. So this next. 30 days is going to be real interesting for this Phillies team, man. Yeah, yeah. And as we all know, you know, as quick as fans jump on the bandwagon for this team is as quick as they'll jump off. No doubt. Absolutely. No I, doubt. But see, I'm not, I'm not so worried about, you know, 
the bandwagon. I'm more so worried about this team was constructed to score. And, you know, I, I think it's either or you're going to score or you're going to get good pitching. You know, I right. mean, I, I, I don't think that they they plan on getting any good pitching. But to, to not have any offense and have guys just – I mean, they just, they just fall so short. We've been talking about getting a center fielder for the past three years. We haven't done it. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about the bullpen being less than athlete. Oh, when Sorrenti Dominguez comes back, we'll be good. We're still not. I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get so you know because they were the luxury tax. I'm glad Middleton went out there and 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 you know he's he's you know he's making some things happen. But I still don't see us going in the direction we need to go to have me jump on the bandwagon. I hear you. Look, yeah. and, and that's I very very on the bandwagon. Yeah. That's for sure. So they're off tonight. They're back at it, as Derek mentioned, over the weekend. And then it's a it's a Milwaukee uh, Colorado uh, double dip there for those two series. All right, so back to the birds here, and we were talking about the draft a little bit earlier. What oh, they may end up. Doing. I'm sorry, man. D Gun, can you give me a little more energy? Uh, Alexander Freeman said. Man, I ain't thinking about what Alexander said, man. <laughs> oh, no. I saw that comment. Oh, I'm no. not thinking about what Alexander said. Man. Oh no, Alexander, fi- fi- shots look, fired, look, man. Look, 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 man. look, look, look. I got, I got, I got, I got, a, I got a laptop here. I'm looking at you guys with. I got a laptop over here pulling up stats. I got my phone buzzing because I'm texting people, you know, players and, and, and people. I'm not thinking about what he's saying, man. You think, I, you think I care about that? Do you honestly think I care about that? But they, I have no, they have no idea what I'm doing over here, man. Look, I got a phone working over here. You know, I got a laptop working over here. I got a laptop. I don't I'm, I'm, You know what? You know yeah, just keep keep chirping, keep chirping. Now, chirping now, now, Jeremiah's Look. turning on me. I, I thought we were friends, man. I'm getting it too. I'm getting shrapnel from, you know from the gunner. No, hey, look, man, I don't listen to it, man. You know, I love I love some of the, the poignant comments that we've gotten on this show that we get on this show. Oh. You know, and some people just you know say stuff just to to see if they can get attention. And you gave them attention, Barry. So kudos to you. I did too. Yeah. You know, kudos to you, Barry. You gave By the attention. way. This what buzz is, for what, you. What is is that? A, is that a keg? What are you drinking? It's a state. Out of, a stateside. It's a stateside keg. Yeah, that state thing side, is would, gigantic. So yeah, I get thirsty. I'm using. I'm using drinking this, and Barrett's got that. Like, what's going on here? Plus, you're drinking lukewarm water. That's gin, man. That's straight gin. <laughs> Keep believing with, that that's water. I'm, I'm working with two alcoholics. Exactly right. right. <laughs> All right, so uh, as I mentioned before, we uh, we started taking taking shots fired here from from our uh, from our listeners and viewers. And by the way, pound that like button, pound it, pound it. So uh, we were talking about the draft. We we, we touched on we hit uh, wide receiver. We talked about linebackers. I got to dive into the defensive line. I, I'm obsessed with Jordan Davis. I'll be I, I'm just straight up. I, I want him to be there. I want him to be an eagle. I love him. Love him. Love him. Who are your favorite defensive linemen? Mm. I told you guys yesterday. I love Jermaine Johnson. You know, I, yeah, I'm, Florida I'm, State. Yep. I'm a big, I'm a big Jermaine Johnson fan. For him to make that transition, you know, to jump from Georgia and go to Florida and be as dominant as he was from one year to the next, mm. that tells me he's a high caliber player. You can. It doesn't make a difference where you play him. He loves to play football. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. Yep. And he, you know, he was recognized as one of the better players in his conference. Okay. So I love that kid. Now you know I know we we talked about what's his name Ohabo Ohabo from from Michigan. You know, the kid who tore his Achilles in okay, the uh, Ojebo, yeah. Ojebo, yeah. okay. Yeah, I like the guy, but see the thing that comes back to me is this: is he that good, or is he a product of what Aiden Hutchinson was doing on the other side? Good question. Is yeah, he, he that good? He was sort of a one-year wonder. Like exactly. he had a great year 
Yeah, last because year. Hutchinson got so much attention on the other side. Yeah, that freed him up to do some things. Is he that good? You know, and we and we come across players like that all the time, right, Bear? Yeah, yep, uh, we, right. we you know one guy's a star on one side, the other player elevates his status because of the play of the other guy, and then he doesn't turn out to be as great of a pro player as you thought he would, based on what you saw him do in college. And oh, by the way, that guy who was on the other side of him in college, not there in the pros now. So now you 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 singled out. Your you, your game's more magnified. Didn't live up to expectations, but I'm just a big fan of Jermaine Johnson. Every time I look at this kid on film, I'm like, man, you know, his, his ability to shed blocks, his first first step off the ball, uh, to bounce off blocks, get to the outside for containment. I, I just love everything about this kid. I, I hope he's a Philadelphia Eagle. Barrett, do you do you like the other kid at Georgia, Devontae Wyatt? I love Wyatt. Uh, 6'2", 304. He's a three-technique guy. Runs a 4740. I mean, the, by the way, the recruiting at Georgia on the defensive <laughs> side, are you kidding me, man? They're sick. They're oh paying money, God. man. Kirby, whatever man. whatever they're doing. Kirby, man, working. paying that money, man. And, and, and that's what it is. Wyatt, every, see, Wyatt is – I watched a whole lot of film on that defense, man. I mean, I, I, I broke that defense down. And a lot of people don't understand – it was Walker and Wyatt, which made that whole team work. The defensive side work, man. Mm-hmm. Wyatt up the middle. A lot of yeah. reason why you saw a lot of Jordan Davis one-on-one and beating guys one-on-one is because they were double-teaming on Wyatt. Right. A lot of offensive coordinators would say, all right, then who are we going to stop? Well, Jordan Davis is 340 pounds. We need to get him six foot seven, six foot eight. We, we need to get him going. No, they got Wyatt because Wyatt was a force. Wyatt ran a four seven at three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. He got pass rusher moves. He can redirect. Um, they use they use him as a spy. Also, he also spied quarterbacks. He is an explosive player. He will be a guy that's going to play for years and years and years. He's going to play at a level like like above Fletcher Cox. This kid is good, man. But when you saw the 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 three clips, they always show of Jordan Davis. Those three or four clips where he's you know. Uh, running guys down from the sideline to the sideline. Mm-hmm. Yes, those are impressive. But when you watch Wyatt, Wyatt did the same exact thing, had more of an impact on that defense. He was that cog that made that whole machine run, man. I'm telling you, man. So you like him better than Davis. I like him better than Davis. He's my mm. he's my pick if I was going to get And, and these are interior guy. guys we're talking about. We're not talking yeah. edge guys, but you interior could I'm sure guy. with the athleticism you could move either of them out every once oh, in a no while. Oh, no question, no question, you know. You could you could definitely you could play wide anywhere. You could also play Walker everywhere. You know, he can come in and play uh um in the interior also, you know, put him in at the three technique and put him on the outside. Wide is is yeah, I, That'd be a perfect analysis on how you see Wyatt play. Mm-hmm. He's got that 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 jump swim move to the outside, get up the field, and still have that ankle button to turn the corner, turn the arc to pass rush the quarterback. He, I mean, he was. I'm telling, you, he was damn good, man. But you know, when you just like what you said, Derek, you said, all right, is Ojabo the product of Hutchinson? Mm-hmm. Well, man, you can say everything about that whole defense of 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 of, of, of Georgia. Uh, Georgia, Georgia, I mean, yeah. You got Walker, you got Davis, yeah. you got Wyatt, Dean, got Dean, yeah, Sin, really good, yeah, really good defensive backs, yeah, yep. oh right, yeah, right. yeah. And then you know the other Walker, Quay Walker, linebacker. Mm-hmm. He should be, uh, um, he should be a first rounder also, but he got six three two forty one. Right. He got all the time about every guys. Uh-huh. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, bruh, when I say that that defense, all you got to do is go like this. 
and throw a dart for it, and that's mm-hmm. how we have a first rounder and, and and pick whoever he wants from that um from that Georgia team. Hey, j- just to divert off of this for a second, because I want to stay on the defensive line for the Eagles. How surprised were you guys they brought Fletcher Cox back at what they brought him back? The kind of money. I think that's the going rate. It's not necessary. We yeah. think we're thinking dollars and cents of what we think that defensive players are being paid. But when you look at it, everything is kind of slotted. And when you look at the slot that Fletcher Cox is in, he's mm-hmm. making below fair market value for his position. Like it or not, people still view Fletcher Cox as one of the top tier, top 10 defensive linemen in, in, in football. We see it because mm-hmm. we watch him every day. Uh, we watch the games, all the games, so we don't see the production. But everybody else outside of Philadelphia, they think that Fletcher Cox is like, um, you know, on, on the, along the same lines of, of of AD. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Aaron Donald. So he's probably making under fair market value. Seriously, uh, when you look at that deal, for him to go from making 18 million to 14 million, how we made it a a, a great deal for the Eagles. Um, it's a proven deal, you know, that he deserves more money. We'll see if he deserves more money. This is going to be able to give him a little more incentive to um, to play harder. But I'm looking, I'm looking to see what he does, man, because to me, he's going to have to go out there and play like he played when he was younger to get the deal and get the money that he's going to require uh, everybody to pay him when he goes into um, next year's free agency. Every, I, don't, I don't know if that's there. Every, every time I've asked somebody about Fletcher Cox in the organization, do you think he's starting to slip? They've all said the same thing consistently. He said people on the outside looking in don't see, you know, what he does to free up other people to make a play for us. Fletcher Cox is asked to do a lot of the dirty work that doesn't get notified, get noticed in the stats. Yep. You know, we're so stat conscious a lot of times. And people try to compare him to an Aaron Donald. Well, he doesn't play the same game as an Aaron Donald does. But Fletcher Cox commands double teams, which allows another DN, a D tackle, a linebacker to do certain things. It's a dirty job, but obviously it's a job the Eagles feel is worth the money they're still paying him. Because I guarantee if they didn't think he was worth the money, he would not, even though he took a $4 million pay cut, he would not be here if the Eagles didn't feel he was still worth. And, And as Barrett said, you know, there are teams on the outside looking in that still think Fletcher Cox is one of the best D tackles in the game today. So, so obviously the Eagles recognize that, and that's why they kept him here. My question is, what do they view as more of a priority? Because Fletcher's getting up there. We know Brandon Graham's getting up there. But they they brought in Reddick, who, you know, he's kind of a hybrid, whatever. The edge or the interior? What's a bigger need for this Eagles team, do you think, in their eyes? Mm. That's, I, I, that's tough. I think I think they believe the D tackle position sets the, sets the standard for the rest of the defense because they bring in a Javon Hargrave who's similar to a Fletcher Cox in the sense that they can eat up a lot of the offensive line play, which can allow them to play games doing some other things. And and you know you put those two guys side by side, that's a load to deal with for any offensive line. When you got to constantly worry about which guy you're going to double team in any given moment. You know, that disrupts a lot of things that you want to do. I mean, Barrett, am I right or wrong? Absolutely, yeah. man. So I think that they they, they they are a team that thinks that if we have two stout D tackles or a trio of stout D tackles, you got a couple in Milton Williams also. Yeah, you he know, had a really good year. You know, he had a good good year now. Yeah, he did. So you, you, you got that trio. You got that Bermuda Triangle right there. Yeah. That allows you to do a lot of different things on the outside. So they like to, they like to start with the interior, in the trenches, in the tackle position. Then the edge, linebackers are just, 
you know, that's an afterthought. And then mm-hmm. the second thing and the secondary. Interesting. Uh, Barrett, we have a question from Harold. He asks, uh, where do you think James Houston from JSU will go in the draft? I, I got to look a little more film with him. Um, right. Isn't he like a, a, a more so a DN, like linebacker type of guy? Yeah. He he, he has all the intangible, but, you know, we're, we're talking about guys that are playing in, 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 in you know, a situation where he didn't have the, the, the big tackles that he he's the deal with. He's going to be dealing with. Yeah. I mean, you you put him in an SEC offensive line or 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 Big Ten offensive line. I don't know if he can rush the passer like that. But I mean, you're talking about all the athletic talent in the world, and he'll learn. He can definitely learn, but he because he has all the athletic talent that you need to learn that position. I'll but throw a name. Size, great uh, size. Baldy Baldy talked about this guy. Just just a reminder when we had Baldy on. I think it was Monday. Uh, Chad Muma of of Wyoming. He loves mm. him. Six two two thirty nine. Had 142 tackles in 13 games last year. Now, it's Wyoming. Take it for what it is. But Baldy said he really liked what he saw on film of that Bro, guy. He's, a, he's like he's like a, a Vander Esch. You know oh, what I'm he's saying? that type. Okay. He, he's going to go out there. He's not going to make a big splash, but he's going to be on every single tackle, bro. Um, reminds me a lot of Luke Keekley. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Okay. A Luke Keekley-esque player. And I'm not just saying, you know, just white guys, but I'm talking about consistent guys that go make plays all the time. He's not on a Bobby Wagner type of level, but he's one of those consistent guys you know he's going to go out there and make a play, and and and, and he's going to assure, assure the tackle every time he can, bro. How high are they prioritizing corner? I mean, we know, you know, with the situations and with Slay, who had an unbelievable season for them right. last year, but – you know, you feel like that's another area you got to look at. Slay's not the youngest guy in the world. There, there's, there's, there's other issues there. We, we look, Nelson leaving free agency. Nelson's gone, right? Yeah, for, yeah I forgot about that. Oh, it's, and, it's a high priority. There's yeah. no question. It's a high priority. Mm-hmm. The problem is the quarterback position is not as deep as it has been in, in recent draft classes. Mm-hmm. So if, if if the top two or three corners are gone before you get to the Eagles. Um, then they're going to have to sit back and say, okay, we can get value with a quarterback we can develop, you know, in rounds rounds two or three. Uh, so then that priority it, it, uh, uh, is pushed to another position. I don't know, Derek. Line. Huh? I, I might, I might say, I might say it, it, it might work in the opposite of that. In terms if, of, if, if those corners start leaving, yeah, they might pull a Jalen Rager. And jump up and get a guy that doesn't necessarily need to be drafted right uh, now. You can't you don't reach. Man. Don't reach, man. They might reach on that. If they see these guys do start it, leaving, like don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know they're gonna do it, bro. Don't you know do it. They're gonna do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you don't need a development. And I can't emphasize this enough. With this draft the Eagles have coming up, you don't need development players. You need the first the first couple of picks need to be players that you will get some impact from right nah, away. Nah, nah. This exactly. is not Lito Shepard and Sheldon nah, nah, Brown nah, nah, nah. waiting in the wings. No, this is no. get in there right now. No, and that's why I say, you know what, offensive line, they they love offensive line. I don't care who the you know who who the coach is. This organization loves offensive linemen, but offensive linemen is not a top priority for this team right now. They can be successful with the collection of offensive linemen they have right now, even minus a Brandon Brooks. Right, right. Well, Pass was, catchers yeah. priority. D is a priority. Linebackers a priority, corners a priority. Those are your your main priority. You got to get plug and play players right now mm-hmm. that they can give you something. Not sit and watch players, but plug and play players. What what about uh what about what about the safety position? We're just safety we're just, also. We're, we're not yeah. even talking about the safety position. Yeah. We got one safety right now. Yeah. 
everybody else are just, you know, guys they hope go out there and ball, you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, they're, they're real thin on the back end, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, they are. you know, we're, we rightfully so are focusing on the defensive line for a lot of reasons. One, because it's very deep in the draft. And two, if you don't get to the quarterback, it doesn't matter who's back there. But they are very thin yep. back there. Slay's a man on an island, man, in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Epps is not the answer. You know, I'm sorry. No. You know, he may develop, but he's still in the developmental stages. He's not the answer back there right now. Well, yeah, see, so, there's the problem. See, that's the yeah. problem right there, guys. Yeah. That's the problem, right? You talk about Gannon, and Gannon, you know, is saying that he's less than, he's less than, you know, uh, uh, he's less than what you want as far as a play caller. But, but the hell, look what he's got to work with. You know, you look at his right. back end. Kayvon Wallace is, is penciled in as a starter right now. Yeah. Right now is Anthony Harris, Kayvon Wallace, starting, you know, corner opposite a big place late. Zach McPherson. Uh, no. Man, no. This, that's what we got. We, I mean, Maddox is a pretty is high cool. pick last year too. I, still, well, yeah, I, round. I yeah. still believe that once the, the draft is all said and done and the Eagles see what they have, they're going to they're gonna sign a few of these low-tier veter, low veteran free agents to come in here. And you may have another, you know, Nelson playing opposite Darius Slay. If they don't get what they want in the draft in terms of another young cornerback uh, they feel that's talented enough to plug and play right now, you may see another one-year one year contract for somebody coming in here to play opposite Slay again. That's tough because there's not a lot of guys out I there. Know, I know, they, man. They lunched on free agency this year really, really bad, man. Really but bad. whatever they get, Barrett, I believe is still better than what they already have in camp. <laughs> I hate to say that, but, I mean, hey, you know, uh, Rob Ellis can come out of retirement and play quarterback more. We're not don't, that desperate, man. Stop telling me the truth, man, because I yeah. don't want to hear the truth sometimes. I, I, none of us do. None of us do. All right. I want to get this in before we get out of here. We got we got uh, Big Sills is ready to roll at, at 3 o'clock, Dan Cilio. So, again, the luxury bus. You, you, you got to you gotta get involved, man. We're getting close. We're a week away from the draft. The Jacob Media luxury tour bus to the draft extravaganza presented by our friends at Stateside Vodka. You're from the region. You want to get a seat on this thing to the Ocean Casino Resort for the Jacob Media extravaganza here's what you need to do in the subject line all right just say gunner invited me that's all you that's need right. to do that's right and there you I'm go i'm not bringing ribs though that's no, it no ribs no send ribs it to, yeah uh krause k-r-a-u-s-e-y at jacob media j-a-k-i-b media.com that's all you need to do there's 36 seats 12 from each show we need to get on it refreshments food special prizes three lucky winners will sit in the vip section for the live show this is all company for the king of content joe krause jacob media he will contact everybody this weekend with all the details. All right, so tomorrow, James Palmer from the NFL Network will be joining us at 1 o'clock amongst many other guests and a lot of fun that we have in store for you. We'll keep rolling with the Sixers, with the draft stuff. We're trying to hit each position for you. we got a lot more in store, that's for sure. Barrett Brooks, great job, B. As always, man, Derek Gunn, always fun, D-Gunn. I want to thank our producer, Xander Kraus. Excellent job by Xander. We'll be back at it tomorrow at noon. Don't forget, tell your friends, tell your friends, Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. <laughs>
Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.